Hello and welcome to episode 9 of You Call That Radio. Now before we begin, I just want to say a massive thank you to all 47 of our Patreons who are subscribing to the show. You guys are keeping this free for everyone else to listen to and also it keeps corporate adverts or any kind of adverts out of the show. I've been blown away with the support, especially as it's been a tough summer. This has included as many hospitals and funerals as it did festivals. Also, I'm going to release a new Gyro Baby single when we hit 50 million subscribers. Well, sorry, just 50 subscribers. And we're at 47 just now, so all 50 Patreons will get a credit on the new music video too. So if you like the idea of that, then you can still have time to sign up by going to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. Some people chip in $3 a month, which is £2.40 in Scottish or British money. Some people chip in $13, which is about £10. And one person chips in £20. Shouts to Photography by Raymond Dito for that one. Now, all your support is giving me hope, energy and enthusiasm to plan a range of projects this winter and with festival season coming to an end I'm going to have a lot more time to devote to podcasts, recording new music, writing poems, blogs and stuff that I wish I could do all day every day. At this rate with your help I might actually be able to do this the monthly fee I'm getting means I can justify spending time on, you know, I, I think as soon as we get the Barras gig out of the way on September 21st, I'm just going to get st- stuck into doing everything from comedy skits to new music and just and do ramp up the podcast as well and do more of them. Now, the Barras gig on the September 21st, it's the biggest show I've ever been involved in and it's celebrating... 10 years or so of since I started getting involved in the live music scene. And this one is Gyro Babies, Steve Mason, Mungo's Hi-Fi, The Moods, and John McMustard's new project from Colonel Mustard. It's 15 quid, but all our Patreons get a 20% discount. Our Patreons also get a discount on CBD oil from the dispensary cbd.com. And if there's any artists, any bands out there that are going to make CDs anytime soon, then you'll also get mates rates and a You Call That Radio discount on audio-unity-group.com. We have got a a deal for Lindisfarne Festival tickets just now. I also do personalised poems at poemmeapoem.com, which is open to everyone, but if you're a Patreon, you get 20% off. So if you have any weddings, birthdays, anniversaries coming up, then let me know and I'll write a personalised poem. I'll ask you a few questions and you send back the, the answers and we will get you a 20% discount on that. We get You can get it, the option to get it framed, an audio recording or whatever. So yeah, just poemmeapoem.com is the website. Now, at the final way about the Patreon thing, we also do regular raffles too. So this... Some have been giving away tickets to Kelburn Garden Party doing the Rabbit Hole Eden Festival. So there's loads of stuff that you can get free. I'm also working on 
behind the scenes I'm working on more benefits, more discounts and bonus material that will come to fruition very soon. And um, yeah, hopefully see you at the Barras on the 21st of September. And the 10 year anniversary has actually got me a little bit nostalgic about how I began to get involved in the live music scene. And it actually ties in with what episode 9 is about, which is mental health. So I would just like to give you a heads up or a trigger warning that we'll be discussing mental health, suicide and other subjects, which might be a little bit disturbing for some people or, or uncomfortable at times. And I know better than anyone that sometimes it seems like a good idea just to not think about that kind of stuff. So I understand if you want to skip this one and listen to another episode. I have actually avoided putting this episode out for a, a good few weeks now because I wasn't really sure how to tackle it. It's extremely difficult to talk about this stuff. Uh, where, where I'm from, we don't talk about this stuff. And, you know, suicide and mental health issues have, have been around since, you know, I was a child. They've always been an ever-present part of growing up. They've always been there. Uh, people that I know, f friends, family members, band members. And it's... Uh, I understand that some people don't want to talk about this stuff, but it seems apparent that ignoring the problem isn't working. So I thought I would try facing it head on today, especially as the main event is an interview that I did with Hannah Curry and her brother Tim Curry. They're filmmakers who are currently touring the film festival circuit with a film called We Are All Here, which was recently repackaged for BBC and renamed Too Young to Die. Now, it tells the tragic tale of a very talented and unique individual called Lumo. He was a lovely guy and a dope rapper who sadly took his own life. Now, the film told his story with respect, a little bit of humour and some really, truly thought-provoking ideas. I was a bit worried about watching it because obviously I knew how it was going to end and it was going to be a very emotional thing to watch, but th this was just... The interview took place just after I'd seen, seen it and then we ended up going to an award ceremony that night as well. Um, the, the film, it, it might still be on iPlayer just now. It, they used unreleased footage of Lumo's vlog diary and they kind of interspersed it with interviews with his family, friends and his his crew, Dead Sounds. And yeah, like I said, it was St Paddy's Day earlier this year. And I'm sad to say that I'm aware of at least 10 friends or acquaintances that have since then, and that's since March this year, that have taken their life or passed away as an indirect or direct cause of their mental health. Now, normally when someone passes away, I try and dedicate a song to them when I'm on on stage, but it's, like it's got so bad that there's like, it's like 10 names that you've got to show. I'm not, I'm not going to mention any names today because I think that respect if the family's right to privacy and also you don't really know what's going on you know you don't actually know no one really knows there's, there's a lot of um, secrecy when people do pass away and there's a lot of Chinese whispers as well but yeah it reminds me well, there's definitely an epidemic in the going it reminds me of when I started my band 10, 10 or so years ago and back then I'll Back then, I lost some very close friends and family over the space of a few months. It was like a, a cursed year. There was death everywhere. Even people that I only vaguely knew, acquaintances and such, passed away that year as well. It was just, it was constant. 
And I'd, I'd always written uh, like songs or poems or raps in private as I found that therapeutic and fun. But you know the phrase, you could die tomorrow? I actually believed that I could die tomorrow with every part of my being. And the plus side was that I really stopped caring what other people thought for the most part. You know, I'm from the kind of place that if you say you're in a band, they go, oh, you think you're a rock and roll star, you think you're Oasis. And, you know, people don't like anyone getting any idea of, you know, delusions of grandeur, which is a good aspect of Scottish society. We, we, we don't let people get carried away with themselves and getting arrogant, but we also clip people's wings before they've even learned to flee the nest. So um, what I ended up doing was I lost my job. Uh, I stopped taking my job seriously. I stopped taking life seriously, to be honest. And um, I lost my job at the same time as my mate Hazy. And we started recording demos with a SingStar mic plugged into an old PC using my dad's ancient acoustic guitar. We uploaded the resulting it was like drunken madness to MySpace. Some people loved the rawness. Some people thought it was a joke. But it ended up leading to one of my favourite bands, Mad Skull, offering us a support slot. And at that point, the only end goal was to play a live gig. And then after the live gig, it was like, let's make a CD, and then it was play a festival, and that's pretty much it. And I think the only goal, I've not had a goal <laughs> since we played our first festival, but I think my, my only goal left really is to, I'd like to play Europe or at least out somewhere outside the UK, especially before Brexit um, potentially ruins that for us. In fact, Brexit's already ruining that for us because people are unwilling to book a band and, and uh, you know, in case there's going to be problems getting into the country and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, anyway, the the curiosity of what we were doing back then helped us sell out Ivory Blacks at our first gig, which is roughly about 10 years ago. And after that, I was just hooked in live gigs, the buzz, everything about it. I quickly realised that middlemen were ripping us off and just began doing it all myself. And that opened up so many doors. And new doors are still opening because of my actions at that time. It's just been a, a mad journey. And that's why this podcast exists. This is why you're listening to this. And it's why I've met so many amazing people. And I just recommend anyone listening to try it out. You know, Whether that's a creative pursuit at any level or just a hobby of some sort. Do stuff that you actually love and it changed my life. Life is still tough and complex, but I've been so lucky to do things I couldn't have dreamed of. And gratitude is one of the hardest things to understand when you're down, but sometimes I remember, like, wait, you're playing the bar as we... Steve Mason from the Beta Band. Now, when I was a teenager, I only really listened to Dr. Dre Pink Floyd in the Beta Band. So, uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to pinch yourself and go... You know, this is, I'm very lucky. And a lot luck has a lot to do with it as well. And my, so my advice is to just find something that you love doing. I believe there's got to be something out there for everyone. And and if you are struggling, first of all, just sort yourself out and speak to someone, whether that's family, friends, or sometimes the best person to speak to is a stranger. So things like the Samaritans are literal lifesavers. Uh, the number for Samaritans is 116-123. So that's 116-123. And that's available 24 hours a day. And there's also a thing called Music Minds Mar. And that's for people that work in the music industry. 
So you can phone 0808 802 8008. So I'll say that again. That's 0808 802 8008. And they can give you very specific help to musicians or people that work in the arts. So just bear those numbers in mind. Now, uh, also, that, that's run by Help Musicians UK, and we're going to give a pound to every ticket sold for Barris Fest on September the 20th and 21st to these guys as they do excellent work. Now, the interview today with Hannah and Tim is not all doom and gloom. They are very funny, intelligent people, so I think you're going to enjoy it. But I've decided not to do any daft comedy skits in this episode, as it didn't feel right. But the next episode will be back to the daftness. So, if you're not up for this today to go into some uncomfortable subjects, then please listen to a previous episode. Or if you live in the future, listen to an episode that comes after this. I think humour is probably the best escapism in life, so normally I like to keep it light-hearted, but sometimes it is an artist's duty to deal with uncomfortable truths, and if this show can help one person, then it would be worth it. If I know you, or even if I don't, and, and you're, you're going through a tough time, please feel free to contact me. Um, so, yeah. Also this week, thank you to everyone who I spoke to who's been affected by mental health. A lot of people got in touch, and I did a few interviews. It's been amazing, so I think what I'm going to do with that is it's going to take a lot of editing, so give me a few weeks to sort out another special episode where I'll take the best bits of all those interviews. And hopefully it'll be a good tool for someone to just hear some some good advice. And uh, yeah, so I'll be back in a few minutes actually with a few things that might help you or someone that you know. But I thought it'd be good to start the show off with a very powerful poem by one of our former guests. The Orwell Prize winning author, the rapper, the journalist, the poet, Darren Loki McGarvey. It's pretty intense, but I know there is probably someone out there who needs to hear this right now. It's called Don't Jump, and this is by Darren Loki McGarvey. Don't jump, you'll regret that. Don't throw it all away, take a step back. Staring in that black river as the waves shimmer. Doesn't matter if you're a great swimmer. Don't jump, it's colder than you think. As soon as you let go, you'll be overcome by an instinct. To survive, then it's too late, you'll have sealed your fate. You'll go to your grave knowing stepping off was a mistake. Don't jump. I can see you're hurting, I can see you're suffering The river's lined with restaurants and casinos You can't afford to eat or play in You're told to be grateful to work in You have to act tougher than you are Just to express your masculinity No industry left to feel a sense of purpose or dignity Would it tell you that your problem's privilege? But think of your mates, think of your sisters Think of your dad's face Try and see beyond the mirage and sanity paints on the canvas of your brain as it aches with sadness and pain. Don't jump. I know you're sick of your phone, the texts, being one of the best and getting no respect. Losing yourself in a coke sesh, going from feeling sober and fresh to a total mess, most depressed in your own head. Abandoned sleeping bags on shop steps. 
women forced to sell torn flesh to more men just for the money to score smack off the same guy that's holding them. And your bug won't connect. And normal pawns are snorefest compared to forced and forced sex. Or the impulses you develop trying to cope bring you more stress. One more step closer to the edge. Don't jump. Realise your brilliance. The mild stimulants you use to manage hypervigilance. The toxic algorithm that's got you oscillating violently between humility and narcissism. This city isn't pretty. It's brutal in its beauty. But I swear to God, it would be worse without you. I know why they do it. I know why these boys top themselves as I'm standing on this fucking bridge talking to myself. Powerful words from Darren Loki McGarvey. I seen him do that at Edinburgh Fringe last year and I couldn't stop thinking about it for a good while after. It was especially potent because I'm sure it was at least in part inspired by Lumo, who we'll hear more about in the interview, which is coming up next. I personally believe that the mental health epidemic is mostly down to the society which we are forced to live in right now and I think that the poem touched on a lot of the stuff. The services are being cut, everything is getting more expensive, drugs are everywhere and our pay remains stagnant or it goes down, that's if you're lucky enough to get a job. The benefit system's not fit for purpose, too much social media is dangerous too people pretending that they're doing well, or maybe not pretending, but just sharing the good stuff in their life. Not everyone wants to air their dirty laundry or private fears on a public platform. The, in my opinion, the politicians and corporations need to accept their responsibility to what they're doing to our young people and people who have fallen in hard times, people who are retiring that have spent the life paying money into a system that is stopping their benefits while they're on their deathbed. The House of Commons is an absolute shambles and they're spending tens of millions of pounds arguing about a Brexit that everyone is sick of hearing about and could have some horrendous consequences. We have MPs invested in the hedge funds that have bet $7.6 billion dollars on the pound failing. You couldn't actually write this stuff. The powerful don't seem to care about the damage that they're causing. They justify it with sound bites and propaganda. And the propaganda is about to get worse because they're spending millions, millions they've wasted on Brexit and millions wasted, are about to be wasted on a media campaign telling you that everything's going to be fine with Brexit. And I'm sure it will also be stoking racial hatred and discrimination against the disabled and the unemployed. Now, I had a, the honour of sharing a bill with an activist called Cathy McCormick last week. And we watched her short film, War Without Bullets, that she made in 1994. And sadly, this has never been more relevant to the circumstances that we find ourselves in today. So what I thought we'd do is just listen to this together and then come back and I'll give some tips on how 
we can overcome this shit show of a timeline that we find ourselves in. So this was filmed in Easter House in Cranhill in the mid-90s, and nothing has changed. In fact, it's probably got worse. Now, the next voice you'll hear is of the wise and legendary Kathy McCormick, and you can watch this again on YouTube. It's called War Without Bullets. World War II, people like my mother were encouraged to smoke to calm their nerves. What an irony that she should survive the bombs and even the fags, only to have her life stubbed out in her old age, because she, like millions of other men, women and children, have become the human fag ends of international capitalism. I'm not a politician, I'm just a mother condemned to live in poverty for the past 13 years, and I don't know about you, but I'm determined that my three children are not going to end up in their human and environmental ashes. That's why I want to tell you my personal testimony of what I can only describe as the war without bullets, a war that is not only killing more people than tanks and bombs, but is also destroying the lungs of the earth in the process and right under with very noses. This is where I live, in a freezing cold dark flat on the edge of Glasgow, a place built after the Second World War and seen as homes fit for the working class heroes. I used to think that the only real threat to my children's lives was a nuclear war until I brought my babies who were bouncing with health home from hospital and my life became a constant battle for survival between my family and the fungus family. The insanity of my reality made me feel so stupid and powerless and I became really depressed. I asked my doctor for a prescription for a warm, dry home, but he offered me antidepressants. I refused his kind of medicine and I joined my community's fight for justice instead. It was then that I started to witness human suffering and hardship on a scale which I never thought I would ever see in my lifetime except perhaps in times of war. So I want to announce World War III. People were walking all over the battlefields, the casualties everywhere to be seen, our children damaged before they even get a chance to live, the old dying before their time, the unemployed who had been used like the food mountains to keep down the price of labour, and the teenagers who have been left with no sense of identity, and are having to sleep up closes or in the streets beside the rubbish. All I had in my side was common sense, my mother's faith in justice and the spirit of a community that refused to die. We started to make allies with middle-class professional people who shared our vision of a better world and our 10-year fight resulted in this. The first ever tenant-led energy conservation project now we can heat our houses instead of heating the sky above. Once we started to make the links between our sick houses, our sick children and the sickness of the planet, 
we became involved in the international struggle for justice. I was sponsored to go on a health study tour of Nicaragua and their stories of social destruction were the same as mine. I witnessed women and children dying because the healthcare system, which they once regarded as a basic human right, had been privatised. In one hospital, I witnessed a new baby struggling for life next to a brand new incubator because the hospital couldn't afford to buy oxygen. Since then, our community at Easterhouse has been building links with communities all over the world. And our community has become like a mini United Nations. Women coming here so that we can share our experience and exchange our stories. I was invited to, to the United Nations Commission on Sustainable Development to talk about our struggle for justice and to also demonstrate the success of our solar housing project, evidence that when people at the grassroots actually get listened to, then the benefits can go far beyond our own social and economic environment. It's not that I've become over-environmentally friendly. Rather, it's because I'm sitting here with my lights cut off, as if to remind me that the only thing that remains sustainable in this planet at the present time is poverty. Sometimes it's frightening to take on the big picture, but when you realise we're not alone in our struggle. When I was at the Commission, I met all these people from communities like yours all over the world who were all fighting the same issue. And I was really inspired and reminded of the power of the human spirit. That was Words Without Bullets by Cathy McCormick. So, everything feels hopeless. But I believe there is always hope. There's always a ray of light at the end of the tunnel. And you can't fight the system unless you are well enough. So get well, first and foremost. If that means avoiding the news and social media for a bit, then do it. Physical health and mental health go hand in hand mostly. So go for a walk, go for a cycle, go for a wee wonder when you can, maybe half an hour a day. If you can afford the gym, then do that. Or you can just watch some YouTube videos to get you into exercises or that you can do in the living room or yoga or dancing. There's a YouTube tutorial for anything. So if you can't afford or can't get into college for whatever reason, then that doesn't mean you can't learn or follow your dreams. I've learned how to do this podcast. Well, Shouts to Murphy Mish, actually, he masters the audio to make it sound good, but I've learned how to edit the, using software that I'd never used before by looking up YouTube tutorials. I've learned how to edit music videos, create fanzines, newsletters, and a little bit of graphic design for flyers and stuff. I've learned loads of stuff just by watching free videos on YouTube. And if there's something that you have a keen interest in, then start learning more about it. It's a magical, absolutely magical feeling to know that you're improving your skill set. It's something. 
anything. It keeps our mind busy, and whether it's physical or mental stuff that you're devoting your time to, you're normally releasing some lush, cuddly chemicals into your brain. And, or at the very least, you're keeping your mind occupied. You may find that this interest could even then become a side hustle, or perhaps a full-time job, but don't do it for any delusions of grandeur. Do it because you love it. And maybe one day you will get paid for doing something that you love, which is an incredible goal, and, and it can happen. But don't do things for money. Do it for love, first and foremost. Try writing your thoughts down. And for me, that's why I fell in love with writing. I always feel a bit lighter after I've written stuff down. So when something bad happens and I have time, then, or even if I don't, I try and force myself to write a poem or a rap or a story or something. It might just be random words. Um, I don't always have the motivation, but I try and make myself write as often as I can. And then when I have a really good idea, the muscle's ready to hopefully do a, a good job. And I've got bags and bags of lyrics that make very little sense and they'll never see the light of day. But at the time it served a purpose because I just felt lighter after writing my thoughts down. And I can actually go back, maybe read it, and it's four years ago, and I can figure out what I was worried about at the time. And it makes me quite happy because most of the worries never came to fruition. And the stuff that bothered me at the time has zero effect on me now, mostly. So write your thoughts down and it doesn't need to rhyme by the way a lot I, tr I find that it helps to rhyme for me but it could just be writing your thoughts down in bullet points or it could be a simple to-do list and that could be something as dull as just writing down things that you've got to do whether that's errands you've got to run or chores you've got to do or it could be a list of goals that you want to accomplish but you will feel better after doing it and especially if you're not sleeping well if you're tossing and turning and you can't get to sleep. Don't try and force yourself to sleep. Get up, write a to-do list, and you will sleep better after it. It might seem like it's the end of the world now, but it's probably the start of a new adventure. To predict is to gamble. So try not worry about stuff that's out of your hands. To smile is to live. So go to a comedy show, go to a music gig, uh, go, go to a club, go, go, go and do something that you like. And... I recommend live music and comedy for me personally. Unless you're doing that all the time, then maybe you should go less. I speak for myself when I say that because it's been a lot recently. And um, that's why I'm trying this podcast thing out. Uh, so I can do it from home without having to leave the house <laughs> for a wee bit. Uh, but yeah, try and find a positive spin on a negative situation. And this, I know it's tricky at times, but it's completely doable. Just find a positive to it, try and list a couple of things that you're grateful for each day. We, we are spoiled for riches that we sadly don't realise until they're taken from us, whether that's friends, family members, health. Um, you know, check in on old friends. They'll be glad to hear from you. We're all so busy in our own lives that nobody makes the first move. So you can be the change in that cycle. It's great to hear from old friends. It's, and a lot of people think that because nobody contacts you, it's because they don't care about you. And it couldn't be further from the truth. They're just busy their own lives and they probably think that you don't want to be bothered, but you can make the first move and people will be happy to hear from you. 
maybe make a wee list of friends that you love, admire or respect. So when shit hits the fan, you know who you should be talking to when you're full, filled with anxiety. It's maybe not the best time to you. So if you've already got that wee list of people that you can talk to, then you can do that. Make a playlist of music that makes you happy, whether that's a relaxing playlist that you can just chill out to or maybe an aggressive playlist that you can jump about the hoosty. Um, I mean, the, the internet is just awash with amazing self-help tools, I mean, whether that's our blogs or, or videos, use them. Just don't give them your life savings or join a cult. Go, I mean, the one that is, I'm talking to you, music scene, particularly, but I'm sh this is a problem everywhere, is to go easier on the booze and the drugs or maybe just chuck them completely. All the highs come with horrendous lows and a lot of um, the sort of, the sort of, obviously mental health is a, a, a huge, a, a, there's a huge spectrum there, but a lot of, a lot of it can be fixed by just cutting out bad things, um, like drinking drugs out and bad food as well, maybe just try eating healthier that can have an almost immediate effect or maybe after a prolonged period. Also, CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, is an excellent way of dealing with negative thoughts and anxiety. Look that up. There's, there's, um, there's tutorials for that as well. Also, I'd recommend the Blind Boy podcast for that one. It's just a really good podcast. And he's got a couple of episodes where he talks about that specifically. And I'd highly recommend that to people as well. Now, I'm not an expert, so please seek professional help if you're struggling or contact a friend or family member or me. I don't want to go to another funeral for a long time. Please, I'm pleading with you here. Think of the people that love you. Even if you think they don't, they do. It's just your mind playing tricks on you. And if you're lonely, and that's cool because everyone is lonely right now, and you're only one bold move from striking up a new friendship that could change your life. And these are just a few thoughts on this. There's a million more. And I'm currently collating a whole bunch of them from various people that I've chanted. We have some amazing stuff already. And I'm on a personal mission to get loads more for you for a special episode that we'll release later on in the year. But I just thought something is better than nothing right now. So hopefully that has helped someone. If not, then the interview coming up may help. And if not, then the one coming later in the year definitely will help. So please stay around for that. Please. So now it's time for the main event, which is an interview with Hannah Curry and Tim Curry. Talented people and excellent crack. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. We met at the Icebox and the Gorbals on St Paddy's Day, one sunny-ish afternoon. We talk about the film the creative process, and life in general. And we'll begin with a song from Lumo, who their film is about. You, you, you you're my hero, you know? You, you're like my oracle and shit, you know? You're out there, man, and you're making it happen, man. Oh, yeah. They used to tell me I was great. 
script changes They used to love me Now they treat me like a stranger Amazing How can this be real? I'm so engaged with the basics I paid my own way up into hatreds I put myself first and face karma At the end you're left alone with all the bottles and the fresh garments Is it really worth it for the drama? I would rather glory over money in my saga I've been lying to myself and so exaggerated Oversaturated, alcohol abuse exasperated Holding masturbations to my heart and thinking I'm the greatest So mistaken, breaking off my soul with mental masturbation Slowly gaining weight and raising bars to hit my culmination Cold as shivers, blatant sniffing coke to hold myself in places Had to lose my faith before I earned it God don't even want me, I am all but not deserving You don't understand a thing about me I have had to struggle just to live a lie It was such a blessing when you found me I am not the one you have to idolise Bricks on, bricks on notes Long cell, black tongues, half from smoke Drug money fuels all the lights in the city I have rights, it's a pity that they have to be revoked The pills killing innocence We will suffer ignorance Society is nothing when we stand and we are disciplined Always be subordinates from dominating origins Awkwardly finding out the truth in my discography Lecture me and tell me all the music that I should be making I am not your product, I'm a soldier based on my creation Call me by the time I'm getting signed, then it's too late You will always view me as the best who sparked a new wave Rappers getting booked that have been what for more than two days Level up and swear it out and spit it till it's true, mate Until then, I'm sipping champagne in my kitchen Cavalli on my shoes with too many bad women You don't understand a thing about me I have had to struggle just to live a lie It was such a blessing when you found me I am not the one you have to idolise Yeah Okay, hello there, um, good evening, happy St Paddy's Day. We are live from the Icebox and I'm with today Hannah and Tim who are part of doing many things, many, many things, but um, recently are, are in the middle of promoting the new film We Are All Here, which I just watched for the first time and I just want to start by saying well done guys, it's absolutely brilliant blew me away thank you thank you and it's um, obviously I was a bit apprehensive because obviously the film's about for other people listening the film's about um, a, a, a very talented rapper who passed away took his own life and so obviously because I know how it ends I was like I knew it was going to be quite I was quite apprehensive going into watching it um, but I thought I just I thought it was really really well done I didn't feel uncomfortable at any point obviously I got a bit welled up um, obviously especially towards the end um, but I just thought it was, it was really good and it was good to actually see Lumo, his own diaries, things that we had never seen before. And so just, first of all, well done. And I just don't I would really start with, how did that come about? How did, how did the film come yeah. about? So I basically had a background in making adverts and commercials, um, but was always really, really interested in documentary. I mean, that's all I watch pretty much exclusively. Um, and just much like any, any sort of passion in my life starts like if I see something that I really really want I'm like I just won't really let it go until I've found out how I can do it and how I can get into it so I kind of tried various routes into documentary and went and worked for like BBC and various independent companies and then was like no I'm not really learning the camera I'm not really learning the edit etc um, so I went back to film school and it was there you know you have to have a film uh, to make and I actually started the film that I wanted to make was about my family which I still plan to make Um 
two members of my family who um, have a really interesting story. But uh, it was while I was at film school that I saw the news about uh, Lumo. And the first piece I actually read about it was some of Loki's writing on it. And I just thought that he so hit the nail in the head in terms of... It was kind of about the, the, regen, the, you know, the area of the Clyde and how this represents, like, Glasgow's um, sort of regeneration and forward moving. But there's this sort of uh, big elephant in the room in the middle of all that regeneration, which is the river, which so many young men are choosing to end their lives in and it's this dichotomy of you know which Loki talks about a lot about you know this this sort of forward uh, moving city that we want to be and the our sort of a uh, big dark secret of the fact that a lot of people you know, are like suffering work in these I think Darren's kind of angle is like work in these restaurants and casinos for zero hour contracts work in restaurants that you can't ever afford to, exactly. to take your partner to Exactly, exactly. And I mean, we worked, obviously, like my brother works right next to the BBC. I worked at STV. So we were down in that area and sort of, I guess, part of the problem in a way and felt, you know, I always felt like, oh, that's where I want to work. And then I did work there. And and then suddenly you have to consider that there's like, there's this, there's this big thing going on and actually it's not going away. And I've always been very passionate about mental health awareness. So that's the long way around to it. But basically, I read this stuff and I was, like, really fascinated. What, 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 what was your introduction to the hip-hop scene? I mean, you, you, you've, been away, you've been involved before. Yeah, so I've run some hip-hop nights um, as part of a bigger thing that I do called Milk, which is was always live music and DJs. Um, just me and my best friend just loved going out and loved music, so we started sort of our own nights. And then um, Tim was always really into hip-hop, so Tim sort of introduced me to some of the hip-hop heads and rap battles, like, you would go to gasps. Uh, yeah, like, bad, you know, I was, like, big into battling. Like, I mean, I've been into hip-hop since I was, like, like super, super young. And, like, uh, I don't even know how I got introduced to it, but, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I know, like, uh, I was just talking to him last night, actually, you know, like, Ross Carbans, like, and you know, he's oh, yeah, part yeah. of being, like, Badger Size Rat, um, we we'll hopefully get Ross on. We're, we're, we're trying to get him lined up for that big good show. Yeah. I was talking to Gaspin Physics recently. We're actually talking about bad mouth because that was. Well, this is the thing. It's like weird that it's kind of dis- disappeared. And I, yeah. I, I, I went to. I think like the first. I went to like the first four in the row, and I took like pals. And that's thing about like me in Glasgow, man. Like since like, going to uni here, it's like I've collected like a really weird bunch of friends. And like, do you know what we like in terms of going to see hip hop gigs? It was always hard for me to get numbers. So sometimes it would almost be that thing like. I have to go myself, but then it's that way. You know what, like these guys are like. Yeah. Sometimes it's like quite high energy, and like folk coming like a crew of twenty, and I'm like standing at the back, sort of trying to smile at people, just like who the fuck is that weirdo at the back there? Yeah. But um, yeah, you know. So I and that's how I kind of got involved. Hannah sent me some stuff to cut uh, to Lumo's like tracks, and then I saw some of the interviews, and it was like so powerful that I was like, no man, I have to like because I'm an editor, like, that's what I do for my yeah. for my work, and I thought. I don't know if I can, but then as soon as I saw it, I'm like, no, man, I, I have to, I have to be involved. And that is good because obviously you're, you're obviously coming from, you're a fan of that music and, and that style as well. But I mean, yeah, well done, editing, editing was great. Mm. I forgot, you know what's a good edit because I, I, I kind of forgot that I was watching a film. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. so I was kind of lost up in that, and that that's quite good because I'm, I did the nineteen media studies that ruined film for me. I was kind of, I was, <clears throat> I was lost in it, and so. What, what was the first stage then? Um, did you speak to the family first or did you speak to Dead Sounds first? Or? I spoke to Dead Sounds. So basically, yeah, obviously I've seen all the stuff in the paper and the guys sort of talking about Lumo and, and I reached out to them. I knew, um, I'd sort of like hung about with some folk at Level Studios. I'd met Emac through then, although he literally didn't, never remembered. <laughs> he said a few months ago, he was like, Hannah, I met you. Like that's it. It was just one of those times where everyone was 
Yeah. Melted. Um, but yeah, we went to, so I knew him, I'd met him three levels and then I knew some of the hip hop guys. So I just reached out to him, said, look, I've been reading all this. I've actually been listening to some of Callum's music. I was totally blown away by some of the lyrics because obviously they are really, really honest. Um, and that fascinated me. And I was like, there's something here. There's really something here. And I felt like, honestly, the first night that I even thought about it, I saw the finished film in my head and I saw us, I saw me and them taking this forward and taking it out to people. Like I knew it was going to happen um, because I knew how powerful a story it was. So I, I reached out to him and he was, he got back to me straight away. Amac and was like, we'd love to tell Callum's story. So I, I Skype called him and subs because I was living in London at the time. Skype called him and subs, like had a big chat, thought they were absolutely brilliant and lovely. Um, and then, yeah, when I came back at Christmas, so the first time that we filmed was in December and obviously Lumo had only passed away in September, so it was very, very raw. And I would like be phoning them up and be like, can we film today? And they'd be like, oh, I'm not today. Like, I'm not really feeling it, blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of like, maybe this isn't going to happen. But I just persisted because I was like, I really believed in it. And because of the stuff that they, even those early Skype calls, I was like, I should record these calls because they're so profound, the way that they talk about this, that you know, if I might not get this again. Yeah. So I was so desperate to talk to them because I knew that they were very intelligent and very articulate. And uh, and then eventually they did. They came over to Tim's house. I brought, brought some beers in. Uh, I just said, look, let's just like do a test interview. Let's just like, we might not use this. And like the stuff I got, well, you've seen it. It's like... That would ended up getting used. That's right, all of it. You really, it's badly shot, but it's so incredibly emotionally powerful that I wouldn't lose it or reshoot yeah. it. So no, yeah, sure. so I we shot that in Tim's house, and as Tim says, I I, I started learning e editing, and there's various sort of edit software, and some of it's really easy, and some not so much. And Avid is like a very very technical. So I was like, that's Tim. I can't I can't make sense of this. Can, can you just can you just help me tidy this timeline up? And Tim's like, oh, maybe just move that over there, Hannah. Maybe just like, oh, this is a fucking beat. Let's put this beat under there. I've cut this montage. I've cut this. Like, have a little look at this, and suddenly I'm like this is really good, like, really good. So I was yeah. like, Tim, do you want to edit it? And that's how, but he's got a full-time job. So we were literally, he'd finish that's at 6pm yeah. and then I'd go in at 6pm. We'd stay there till 9pm. We'd be there at weekends. Uh, but we loved it, didn't we? Like we actually I mean, it was, loved it. It was good, but it, it was full on, man. And like the whole thing like took on a wee bit of an, uh, an added sort of meaning for me because like we had like family issues and like right after making the film. So we were kind of like on the crest of a wave. I had like a few health issues, things that just like got on top of me. And then, you know, the irony being like, you know, you make this film about suicide. I think I know the signs. I know what it is. To, I can see now like what that is. And then my mental health like yeah. took a really bad hit. And then suddenly it's like all the things I said I would never do or never say or, you know, it all happened to me. And then it's, like, I would imagine that it's, it's, the, I can't really be underestimated how difficult it is to edit something like this, though, because you've obviously been entrusted with uh, a vlog, vlog diaries that no yeah. one's ever seen before yeah. from, from yeah. the mo. And and obviously, if you're if you're doing too much on top of that, um, so how, how did you how did you get out the other side of that? Um, I don't think I think it's important. I don't think it was the film that. No, 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 that. no, no. I'm not. I'm not that, trying. I'm not trying to say the yeah. film burned me out, but I just thought it was it was so interesting, interesting that, that you think you have an insight into so something. Aware, but and and this is the problem. It doesn't discriminate. Bad you know, mental health doesn't discriminate. That that's the problem with with this sort of mental health issue as well. It's just like it can be so insidious. It kind of your brain turns into your enemy, and it and comes like, out of nowhere, and I, it fucking hits you really fast. Well, I think that's what it was um, so shocking to everybody in the hip hop scene was that of all the people, the more just seemed to have his his shit together on a lot of levels. Yeah. To, obviously, I, I wasn't close enough to to know maybe all, all the other things that were going on in the background, but. 
as far as I was concerned, he was a very, very confident guy for his age. For sure. Compared to a lot of other artists his age, he, was, he, was, he had um, a, a huge potential. Mm. It should be just lyrically and confidence-wise a wee bit ahead of people of his own age. So you just wouldn't have really thought of that. But although I, I have been affected by suicide many times in, mm. in my lifetime, so I'm also aware that you can't, it doesn't work like that. You can't say, oh, someone's at risk and someone's not because literally it can come out anywhere. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that was really, really important for us to get across in the film is, is that, that sense of shock and that sense of, you know, one one hat doesn't fit all with mental health and, like, actually, you know, it can it literally could be your brother or your son, even, even if you think there's not any chance in the world. Um, and then, yeah, as, almost, as if almost to prove that point, my own brother became very ill and, and, and having that knowledge. So it's like, that was like, to be honest, after you got ill with him, like, that was another like bit of motivation for me to be like, this just fucking proves how dangerous this is and how much it can get anyone at any time. And what we're trying to do with the film, you know, like I think it's a difficult thing to speak to people who are in that place. And I don't think that the film is necessarily going to do that. Um, I don't know, because some people have told me, you know, your film saves me and stuff, and, but that's a Someone grand gesture. Someone came up at the premiere, like who you don't, who don't, I don't know, and said you've you've saved me because like I I had those thoughts and I'm not going to do it now. But I think mo- mainly the film is for people who you know have a pal, a brother, a, you know, like whatever. It's like it's it's to make people think this could be anyone, and maybe I need to be looking for, you know, or maybe I just need to be checking in more. It's the best that we can do. It, it doesn't mean it's going to solve it, but it just means. I, that- I, heard, I heard something quite good recently. Someone said I can't. I wish I could remember who it was. You seen, but it's like if you ask someone how they're doing. Uh-huh. Everybody naturally says they're okay. Fine, uh-huh. But if you ask them again, you know, how you actually doing, you know, about 70% of the time you've got a different answer. Yeah. Well, sure. you know, I'm okay, but, uh-huh. and yeah, stuff sure. like that. And then um, obviously it seems to be, um, it's, it's made mostly a male issue, although there's, there's, it's, it's just as prevalent for, for many females as well. But why, why do we think that that is? Why is that a male issue? Yeah. So, uh, so apparently three quarters of attempted suicides are female and three quarters of successful, uh, if using that very loosely, suicides are male. I think it's um, it's something about the sort of sense of like needing to like commit to something and just like, or maybe like having that sort of added bravery to actually like take that step, which is irreversible uh, or, you know, the the. the the ability to be equipped to deal with the feelings is just not there in a lot of men. Whereas, like with women, they maybe understand that if they if there's a cry for help there, that they will then be able to talk about it. Whereas a lot of men feel backed. It's called the entrapment. It's like you're backed into this corner. You really feel like there is nowhere to turn. So you just like commit yourself to doing this like irreversible act. Um, but you know, we know from research that people that that um, are not successful in those attempts almost like 100% of them regret it and don't try again and, and realise in that moment that actually well, survival kicks in and that you don't you don't want to do that. And that's devastating because f- for some people, you know, it's too late for that to for that realisation to to come about. Um, but I think with men, it's a stigma. It's a stigma too. It's like, you know, there's something about being, like, I mean, Scottish for one thing, but especially like Glaswegian, it's like there's just this sort of like coded thing that you're not meant to like it's weak to sort of like say you're struggling or like you need help or something like that you know um do you think that that's changing i've no i've no idea man i i i would the the, the optimist in me says I, I hope so i mean it will be slow and i don't think it's like I, I think it's like anything else it's like you know the aim can't be to like eradicate it because it's, it's not i don't think that's realistic i think you just have to try and make a conscious effort to just 
you know, so, so, I think also, like, not to sound really sort of pessimistic, but, you know, I think some people, that's what they're going to do, and they've kind of made up their mind. And I, I don't know sometimes if it is possible, but, but what you have to do is that someone's struggling and they need help and they, they want it, that they can get it and it's available and they can, you know... I think, uh, I, personally, I like to think that we can, like, if you look at sort of patterns of society and, and stigma and um, and how much things have come on, like, for instance, like, it used to be, like, you know, even when my mum and dad uh, were together, like, it was unheard of that you would live together unless you were married or that you'd have sex and, like, you know, this sort of thing. So, like, and that's all obviously, like, completely out the window. We've moved on from that and, like, you know, LGBT, like things like that. There's there's places that we're going. So mental health stigma, this whole thing of like if you're depressed, you can't tell anyone, and you need to shut up about it. But like my grand's generation had, you know, like my grand oh has been depressed her whole life, and she still will not admit it to anyone, even though she's on the medication and all that. Like it's like a shame. It's a shame that's attached to it. Whereas now, you know, that shame is is lifting, and like a lot of people are realize in shared experience, they're realizing that they can be honest, and they can, you know, they can sit here and say. But I think on the flip side of that, there's there's uh, it's so ingrained in some um, areas of life, like your work, for instance. Like you know, I remember like working. I worked for the Mental Health Foundation, and I had like my pen, like like hovering over the sh- the sheet that you fill in when you kind of join the company. It's like you know, do you have any mental health problems? And I'm like that. Is that a trick question? No, no. <laughs> like you know, because I'm like. Well, well, I don't want people well, to is, think that, I can't do my job. Well, that 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 is and that's, that that is that, that's an elephant in the room that there's that all these companies that they do. Raise money for mental health, mm-hmm. but but if they were to, someone was to actually say they had you know, problems, would they hire them? Uh-huh, and do they take them seriously? And when people say, "Oh, I'm just not feeling good today," the people are like, oh, I'll get a grip and all that. So it's like, and obviously, yeah. And then you have all like you do have some people that could could um, almost take advantage of that. Being so, it's a really murky, difficult issue because it's so it's not like one hat fits all, and mental health problems are so variable that some can be really dangerous and some can be really light and some so I think there's a long long way to go but I do like to think that we could change the attitudes of people and that this could be that the, 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 the folks that are that we're losing because they genuinely believe that they're the only ones that that, that this conversation can open up and that they can see a lot more readily that they're not the only ones yeah I, th- I think I think so I think it's 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 important to be optimistic about it and um, <clears throat> life is very hard just now for many reasons but mm. I think that that, I mean, if you look at if you look at what, what that film's done already, and and just is the fact that it's brought that a very masculine. I mean, the Scottish hip hop community is very masculine. And mm-hmm. They're still a, now now they're hypocritic masculine in some ways mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they and I think everybody and hundred percent of the Scottish hip hop community got were were absolutely devastated with them all and um, they they you know just so upset and and supported. Um, Everyone involved. Yeah. So that that was definitely that was definitely a positive. But obviously, it's, it's, it's going to take more than just one thing to yeah to to change the stigma. Yeah. And hip hop's uh, not at its core. At its core, it's about um, conscious and education. But a lot of hip hop does have homophobic elements, mm-hmm. um, comedic elements, mm-hmm. uh, but bad language misogyny mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff so it's always been a kind of place where you can say whatever you want and actually the most controversial thing can can do it and if you show any sign of weakness then you're not yeah well it's like it's like that thing you know like it, it's totally evolved it's evolved so much but you know like where it started from you know like yeah. in the Bronx it's like it, 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 it started as a thing to basically like get people like the gang problem was so rife you know like you've seen the movie Warriors it was 
like obviously not that bad, like, but that's what it came out of. So it always had that kind of violence attached to it. And, you know, like, especially in America, you know, like it was always just like, we don't like this sort of art form. But then when it became a lot more poetic and, you know, depends who you, who you listen to, do you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of rappers like Aesop Rock and, you know, dilated people's just like positivity and obviously like Della so all that yeah, I mean, stuff. Well, so it's all I'm more into that kind of thing. Mm. But at the same time, when I was, you know, I don't know, when I was 14, I was listening to Eminem, D12. Mm-hmm. And like Necro, you know what I mean? I, I well, no, do you know what? I, I, I kind of skipped skip Necro. I think I was... Oh, I wish I, I did. I, I, I was, I was, out, I was, I missed that one. <laughs> and then by the time people were talking about Necro, I checked out and I was like, oh, the beats are good. Well, people were beats rapping over beats and then I was listening to it, but I've, uh, by that point, I mean... There's the horror chorus, so I just used to fill you in. Necro's kind of like... <laughs> so it's obscure. Yeah, I've heard all that. I don't, I'm not really that impressed by that that kind of chat. So. I listened to some of it. I was bored and I, I found a box full of CDs and I listened to Gory Days, which was his first album, and it was shockingly bad. I, like, you know, great, good producer, like, but... Great I mean, producer. Fucking dreadful lyrics. But Which is just, it's just like, to me, it's like that, coming on, we've got, especially people that are very skillful writers and MCs and just thinking you could probably switch your attention onto something a bit more positive mm-hmm. or, or take your anger out on maybe the uh, government, the government. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah or, or well, something. his brother was a wee bit more like that like oh Bill was slightly more sort of like conspiracies and all that sort of stuff but still sort of like ugh, it's kind of basic but yeah anyway this is off topic yeah I just as but it's still it's on topic because we're talking about how hip hop is a masculine thing, and and it's it's just quite interesting that Hannah, obviously you're you so you're Tim, you were a, you're a fan of it, so you you did a, you did nights with hip hop, so would you did you feel intimidated because it was so masculine and and or did you just think it was no, okay? I just thought it was so cool that I was like I want to, so I've got this like strange thing of like having grown up as a very anxious child that was always a bit of an outsider looking in, like never cool at school, never like uh, that. When actually like I started my club night and suddenly like people wanted to come and people and I and I realised like just as you do when you grow up that like all of the bullshit that you get hung up on when you're a kid or a teenager really is that that it's just bullshit and actually like you don't really need to give a fuck what anybody thinks about you and you don't need to you just do what you want and it doesn't actually matter so like me coming into that like my own I suppose was like having these club nights and loving music was like I can put on hip-hop if I want to put on hip-hop because I really like those guys I think that's really cool and the amazing thing was for me I think had I approached those hip-hop guys and being like do you want to do this night it's a wee club night flat one and they turned around and be like no then I would have been like, oh, God, like that would have been me burned. But the hip-hop community is one of the most receptive, kindest, um, up-for-it communities I've ever, like, had the pleasure of working with in that role. So I remember, like, like reach out to, like, Louis and Hector Berserk, and Louis was just, like, Louis was, like, would do anything for us. Louis was, like, they would play for free, even though they could fill a vein. They could fill the art school and make thousands of pounds, and they'd be like, I will do it, or I'll come down and do your battle for you, like... Loki was up for like I filmed some really early stuff with him and Block. He did like a burn mm. supper, like addressed to the haggis and all that. First, we had like a rap, a rappy, rappy burns night. We go like see, I've actually I've, I've done the alternative burn supper as well. You? And you're one of the first people I thought I'm getting copied here. No, I'm not saying you did. I'm not saying you did. I never knew. I, no, I, it's because I, I, I was like 
Aunt Venti, this will be the bum supper. I Aunt Venti, this. No, you'll be happy to know someone ripped off a club night and stole the name and like. Oh no, I seen that. I thought Aunt Venti that was just. No, you didn't invent that. Well, mine was very well attended. Yeah. Very well attended for ten years. Very well attended for ten years actually. That's the end of the podcast. Also, it was it was it was practically the same lineup. It was like what's that? Louis and Audrey had been here before, and then you had them the next year. I had no idea, but then I suppose that's because I was outside of that and I wasn't in that. Yeah, well, I mean. The thing is, the Camp of Summer was, was not really a, um, a hip hop night. It was a, it was actually so Sammy B, um, who's who's great Wonder Woman, she, aka Pixie Brown. <laughs> so it was me and her. We came up with the idea of an alternative Bomb Supper because Bur- she's from Ayrshire, and um, the idea was that all these actual Bomb Supper Rabbit Bombs wouldn't have been allowed in there. It yes, couldn't afford to go in yes. there. So let's make a wee one. Five are in, and you get free whiskey oh, and haggis like and that. we started it, and then. Straight away, my, my first instinct was, let's get the hip-hop boys involved. Mm-hmm. So we got Gasp, Loki, and I think that was Hector Bazaar's first ever Amazing gig, points. I think, as well. But they weren't even called Hector Bazaar at the time, it was just Audrey and Louis. And we did it, and it went really well, and it was a kind of punk crowd, all like the hip-hop Amazing. crowd. And it was just like, we, we, we something well, we can. Well, I tip we did my it hat. Year. We did it once in Glasgow, we do home in Glasgow, and we do it away in there. And we still do it? And we, we, this, is, this January was the first year I didn't do it. Right, OK. The first ever, it was going to be our eighth Let's birthday. Let's do one ever. together. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I'll do all the promotion. You can do the lineup and that and the food. Now, I, I have to say, <laughs> you take care of the food. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll no. be in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know that, but I suppose I was very nice. It's called friction point. burns, friction burns supper. Nice one. I like it. Um, yeah. I was very. I but, was, but there's also, you, you, were, you were an early, a total early adapter because it was literally, when I Googled mm. Dinted Burns supper, it didn't exist. Didn't, yeah. And then about two years into it, you did yours. And then about three years into it, it was about five. Aye, and now it was literally a 20. Aye, totally. Well, we, all, we were always just trying to think of like different sort of different ways that we could do things. And I, yeah, as I say, I just found that hip-hop crowd so uh, receptive. And also just like, I think that they, I think the hip-hop crowd did want to just not, uh, not, you know, be in and of itself. Like, because obviously gas nights and stuff, but that was like, you know, only those such in the know went to those yeah. sorts of things. Whereas, like, I think like that maybe with Hector was there from like those kind of like act and uh, Stanley Odd and stuff. That idea of like breaking outside of just like Absolutely. the microcosm into like the the, the commercial realm. Well, I think I think it's, what you you did there was is um, it's because your nights work a totally different crowd. But you've said this is okay. Yeah, uh, this, you're, you're like this is and okay. People like it, so people love it. People yeah. love people like. Do you know what I remember? Like, they're see, like, we that, like, do, like, like indie dudes, and they're like sort of skinny jeans and and uh, glasses, like, like you know, like being like this at a rap battle, and like nobody judging them for just like you know, you're clearly not like a hip hop head, but nobody, nobody cared. It was never a, it never felt like an aggressive crowd. I think what I've really struggled with with hip hop is the fact that like people diss each other and people will just say what they want to say and I'm like dead sensitive so like I'll see things like thrown up on Facebook and people are like spear signal and I'm like oh my god he's just like <laughs> that I really like that guy that's brilliant and actually like half the time nobody actually they're just used to yeah they, they don't, they don't most sensitive. of the time they don't care I mean I, like, I can't wait for that I, shit to pop up I'd, like, I'd like to say I'm, I'm more mature than that but when there is a little when there's a I back like and forth we're still on track I like that I like that we got on track I, uh, I can't we we states updates. I'm not into that. But if Tim's someone gets on a train, Tim's been playing the gasps. I can't, I can't of, uh, see that, dear Lloyd. I mean, I, I again, I you know, it's not for like. And I just I fucking love gasp, and like I have I've lo- the first time I heard a gasp tune, I think it was like the table of the death design. Just I can't remember. It was it was years and years and years ago, and, and I, it was one of the. I think it was one of the. I mean, I think I heard Loki first. But it was one of the first like truly yeah. Scottish things I ever heard. 
and it just like blew me away. And then when I got the album, it's just like every tune on it was just absolutely banging. And you know what style yeah. was like, but well, actually, actually, Gas was playing on this very stage on the fifth oh, of nice. April. No way, man. Yep. Jacko Trades, Gasp, and Kamehameha, and yeah. a special guest. Oh, yes. I've Bring you one bottle, so get I love this Oh, right, we need, we need to uh, get something done in here. It's really class. And, like, they have what's hard Old to see on a podcast. Old school arcades. They have uh, pinball and aliens. And I literally just went out and bought a PS4 today. How new is this to... Why, but... I know you only cut this out, but how new is this to bad? Sorry? Bad, you know, bad at the Badlands. It's near. Uh, it's... it's, it's... It's just because when, when the Lumo doc was on BBC, Jen saying that we should um, have like a premiere and like get everybody to watch it together and just stream it at BAD. Or right, she's okay. got the venue for free. We should mention like, that party, actually, maybe. like, yeah. that's something to mention. Like, we, I think we can. Yeah, that's... We have, a, we have a, a, a longer version of the film. Like, see, watching the film. That's, that's, do you know what? I was crazy. literally going to ask you about that because I, I didn't know if it was an exclusive. So it is an exclusive sort of it. Because it, it, yeah. I was like, what's going to happen to the film when I'd been keeping it under? So it's. It's going to be on BBC Scotland. It's going to be on BBC Scotland on the and, new channel. And and adapted, for TV, adapted for TV. So I was going to ask you, what does that actually mean? Adapted for TV. I'm playing the part of Lumen. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, basically, taking it from a student film, because we kind of had to be under 25 minutes. Uh, this is like 29 minutes. Um, and just like a lot more, like a lot more full. You get a better sense of him, especially like I felt like watching the film back on Friday the shorter one it's like there's just certain parts that are just so much like better rendered out if you know what I mean like his conversion to sort of like Islam um, and you just get a real sense of someone who was like loved and all the kind of identities that he had is like you know in terms of his, his religion his hip hop his family life um, we just spend a lot more time with each other yeah. so you learn a lot like that was my first film a student film and you know like anything creative like I'm sure you have you know with music like you'll you might listen back and you watch back and you're like that. Oh, I did. I changed that. Like, or like, I should have done that there. And that's that's what you get with. And I'm still learning, very much still learning. So, we did that film. We completed it, and I'm very proud of the film. And you know, I wouldn't change the, the version that we made in many ways, but um, in many ways. But you obviously <laughs> just looking at it and going, yeah, I could have done that. Or I could it's have... like letting it breathe. So I'm I've I've come from a commercial and music video background. So as you can imagine, like my my normal thing that I was producing was like two or three minutes long and it's like every scene has to count and give the audience like what the entertainment like bum 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 whereas with a documentary like you want to let it breathe right yeah no <laughs> you, <laughs> you want to let it breathe so you want to um I don't know what's going on just <laughs> your beer you're getting beer yeah it's over there oh there we are now yeah, man, but like uh, we ha- also have like some really beautiful stuff. Like again, like ha- how amazing! Like, sure, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll take. I'll take some. I can. I can oh, you want wine? No, no, no. I'm fine. Time it'll be wine. It's fine. So if you want wine. No. This is my last supper. Blood drips fluently, trickling fluid, thinking of past summers. Never dare see my black brothers. We're all human, barricaded by politicians that lack colour. Opinionated, these debates are just insinuations made by money, motivated suits, extenuating statements. And that's the reason I can't make it in this industry. Expensive videos and all this money burns in infamy. Oh well, I see my clientele, they're all surviving well. Will I rebel and hide label? These labels made of tyrants, hell, I'm grinding while the giants sell the highest. Most advice, no surprises, tell the wise. 
places that I'm riding, let the violence swell. All my city ever did was have a little feet. Independence Day was taken from us in a twist of fate. Whisper in the wind, the willow phantoms dance to keep me straight and sweet romance. We had a chance before some very triple H. Hierarchy, hundred heinous pagans, such malarkey. Touch of vessels, blaming pies, really stressed the federale. So awake, lucid dreaming, raising sacred scar and praying for the day I see my son be one success and charming. I am so amazed. Sorry, so I the name, right? Like overhead in the West End. Right, the podcast isn't gonna be this podcast won't be called that, but the Overhead in the West End comes from a gyro baby song called Overhead in the West End. Cause I lived in the West End for a few months before I got demoted back to where I should, <laughs> back to where I deserved to be. Where we back to where they came from. We don't want you in the West End. And um, I heard I genuinely heard someone outside Viper or, or the, not Viper, the monkey bar. Or whatever it's called next to Viper. Monkey, aye. Whatever it was in those days anyway, it was ages ago. Saying you can't fully comprehend an oil spillage until you've witnessed it in a high definition television set. It was during like a big oil spillage and somebody just got a high def TV. Are you sure this was in the West End? This is in the West End, yep. And um, as a result, I had idea we overheard in the West End and um made a gyro baby song which nobody listened to. <laughs> but then the Facebook page became uh a, I don't know, it's about 25,000 likes or something. It didn't really get used for a few years, so it just kind of naturally became quite a big thing. I like, see, like when I like. And then, then after that, you're t- I think you're talking about the gig night and the podcast that came after it. That that became a thing after the, oh, right, uh, okay. the page. Because I thought, well, since I've got this page is doing well, might as well call a night after it and use mm-hmm. that to promote mm-hmm. it. It didn't. It, it worked. In some ways, it didn't work in others. People, people that like the pages do not want to come to gigs. They want to either laugh at West Enders or keep an eye on people laughing at West Enders. <laughs> I thought, like, I mean, I don't know if it's at all the same thing, but there was a video that, like, surfaced on Facebook ages ago, and it was, like, a guy from up north, like, Dingwall or Inverness, like, yeah. shouting at either. Yeah. You can't really see that they're out of the yeah. shop, but it's, like, the bouncer or a guy. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, like, cringeworthy patter, but, like, yeah, I, you... thought, I thought that's where it came from. But... No, no, that, that we, we shared that video. But it was nothing to do. Someone else uploaded it. We just shared it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where you're getting. Because it was. It was, that was, a, it was a very good example of overheard in the West End. But then I stopped sharing any overheard in the West Ends for a few years because it changed into something different. It was. It, be, it started becoming inverted snobbery. It was like mm. people were posting, I seen a guy in a nice car. Mm. It's like, well, that's not funny. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? and might have won the lottery. And then it also became a bit cruel. And also, maybe it's also because of the fact that. By doing overheard in the West End nights in the West End, I ended up maybe becoming hipster myself because I was like, <laughs> craft, craft beer. I was slagging craft beer and I'm like, yeah, that's all right. Because we were doing it in a venue and the woman that ran the venue was like, have you tried this? And I'm like, no, no, that's quite good. So maybe, maybe it's, it's like my feast, though, man. It's like, but it just, I just, felt like, I just felt like the joke was no longer there and it was becoming inverted snobbery. And it's not about, that's not what I wanted to create. It was about putting out the the, the rude people that are so snobby to other people and they're so stuck in their own little world that they don't realise, you know, how good they've got it or, or how important other people are and they just don't seem to get it. So that's so it's an a, important thing. Though. So it's kind of pointing that out and, and, and mocking it and it ended up in the, the Daily Record. Uh. The, the end up in all the newspapers and they just didn't mention my band though. I was like, as long as you mention my band, I went, of course I will. Ah, uh, classic. Although, yeah. like, they'll, they'll misspell it as well. Right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. something they heard, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, thanks for the promo, man. That's yeah, great. I, I great. Cheers. But yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my band, that said many songs. I think we're on, I think we're on about 5,000 likes or something. And that page is on about 25,000. And 
you know, it, it was literally just set up and done its own thing. But that's it. The, the podcast was going to call it in the West End. We've actually got a few over here in the West End live podcast we've done. We might introduce into this at some point. Uh-huh. And what, 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 why did you feel like like a podcast is the right thing to do or like even the timing? Like, is it just something like you've got so many people you want to talk to that you think, like... Well, I just, I'm trying to get away from organising and playing live gigs as much. That's what I'm trying to get away from because I just can't. I've been doing it for nearly 10 years and I'm just exhausted with it all. So I just thought, but I know, but as a result, I've, I listen to podcasts all the time mm-hmm. because I do music so much. I'm talking about media studies, I learned ruining my film. I've done music so much that when I try and put music on it, relax, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good baseline. Yeah. wonder what effects on that. And yeah. just, I start analysing it too much. So I like a podcast to just drift off, mm-hmm. zone out and, and switch off. And I just thought, well, actually, we've quite a few interesting people. Yeah, so let's get a wee podcast and they go. It's still been creative. And also, hopefully, we can give shout outs to, we still promote acts. Up and coming acts we like, we can show gigs. We, we feel privileged to be invited. Aye, man, like, I totally. Well, yeah. thank you very much for doing it because no, you've no, got, no. it's not even been released yet, so for all you know, this could be an absolute shout show. You've just ruined Not a, at a all. No, your, I just day. love talking to people. No, not at all. I love talking to people, and I, I've been invited on like, <clears throat> like radio shows, and then to me, like, the best ones, like, they might not be have high profile, or they might not be like, you know, or they might be like dead lo fi and dead kind of all over the place, but like, to me, the opportunity to just like sit and chat with somebody about, I mean, like it's like almost like in a way it's work, but it's not work because I just love doing it and I love talking. Talk well, from a from a real point of view, that I, I don't like doing. I, I agree with that because I don't like doing interviews on the radio f- as mm. such because you've got to kind of put a different side of yourself on. Like, hi, mm. you know, you can't actually be honest about how you're feeling that day. While at a podcast, you can go, I'm I'm rough. I, or I just can't be asked because you can swear and you can generally but if you're on BBC Radio you can't it's just a but dead right, casual that's, that's chat that's what it was you know like when Joe Rogan and like all that sort of stuff like started taking the heat off of like Howard Stern it's like it, it's so interesting and like you know sometimes he'd have guests on I don't know if you listen to Joe Rogan but like like people would sometimes have like meltdowns and fights and that is like live you know what I mean it's, it is it's just uh, totally raw and I think that's what's so interesting because you can you don't have to rein in your emotions or your language or you know like or, or the time because things, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we've obviously grown up in a, a world where you've got ten minutes to make your point. Over four, there's usually three other people arguing with you, just like that. You know, <laughs> see, everyone gets like sixty seconds each. To I, mean, I think it's like it's, question time. Yeah. question time was real, and well, they're just like, "Shut well, the fuck up, mate!" Mm-hmm. Honestly, you're a prick. Well, I think it'd be great if they could do that. I found it was quite interesting that Noam Chomsky said he would never go on any of these shows because it's too complicated an argument. You know, if you're talking about war in the Middle East, and someone's like, so what do you think about this thing? Is a yes or no answer? It's like, well, yes or no. Yes or no. It's actually a little bit more complicated than that. And, and obviously the general viewer doesn't actually know any of the, the it background. It doesn't work, man. It's like they had Ben Affleck on, like, Bill Mayer's show, and Sam Harris is there, who's actually, like, you know, if you've read any of his books, like, very, like... You know, he's very well versed. There's some cultural references that people might not have. You know, no, that's all right. That's just we saw. It's not cultural. We're talking about podcasts. Right, sorry. I'm so, well, you need to read up then because like, um, yeah. you, give it a short right. explanation example. If I was saying, oh, like Madonna. This is my sister Queen telling me how to talk on a yeah. podcast. All right, aye. You know, I'm just saying it's I'm helpful if you get a little line. Mommy, it's not as bad as I this. Give <laughs> a little line to explain who the person is because I don't know who these people are. Uh, okay. I mean, fuck it. Well, you can cut that right out. Well, it's fine because we're going to go back to the film anyway. Yes. And we're going to ask, how how do you plan out a project like this? 
you, you've just said you've never done anything like this before. Aye, so I, obviously you've went to film school and stuff. Mm. So you've you've read up on it, mm-hmm. and you just what? How did you just? What, how did you do it? Like honestly, I don't know. I do think it's about surrounding yourself with people that do know what they're doing. So when you are in doubt, like you pull in those people, and you you realise like you don't have to know everything yourself. And I think before, like I was like, I need to understand this whole process, and actually. Yeah, like, I just couldn't get to grips with that edit. And then, like, Tim bossed the edit. So it was like, right, okay, he's my editor. And we're going to work on this together. And, like, oh, right, I need to film this scene. And there's loads of people. And I've only got one camera. Wait, I'll just, wait a minute, just get another cameraman. It knows what he's doing. And suddenly, like, you bring people on. And the thing, the great thing about this project is that it's a cause close to so many people's hearts that people were practically, like, jumping down my throat to work oh, on it. So, like, every cameraman that, like, brushed with it was like, I'll shoot your next thing for free. Uh, like the post-production house has just done an amazing, beautiful grade on uh, the BBC version and insisted on not taking any money. They wanted to donate the money that I had for them to the Mental Health Foundation because oh, they cared. Like, and that's been happening across the board. Like, honestly, what about uh, Avon? I noticed Avon was involved with the uh, promo. I exactly. So that's just and again, Helena as well. Like, Helena, yeah. Avon. So like, so women that work in music who had said to me like, look, if we can do anything, and I was like, well, actually, you know, there's a single that we've made that's sort of. Um, the AMAC wrote um, and we sort of got Kid Robotic to do a beat for it it's at the end of the film it's still at the end of the BBC film and I was like we should release that to try and, and then AMAC's like I want to use that to raise money for the charity as well Helena do you know MD Helena's like that give it to me the skinny premiere the clash premiere Yvonne's at the event being like right what can I do I'll get you because I was a nervous wreck at the premiere yeah. uh, Yvonne and Sharon that both work for like, Lost Art Agency that they've set up together they just took took the clipboard literally out of my hands and yeah, was like, I've you don't worry, <laughs> yeah, I'll I've, do this. I've, I've won those are stuff. Aye. Yes, like, they're be. amazing. And that's I've found that across the board. So uh, in terms of the process... So, so, you, so did you feel that you, you were... Um, was it just the scale of the event or because you'd put so much into it? So, like, you know, you're, you're saying that you, you felt a bit lost and then someone oh. coming along and taking the clipboard off you. But obviously, you've ran nights with milk loads mm-hmm, of times. Mm-hmm. So was it just the fact that, you know, like, for example, if I'm a promoter, and a performer. Mm-hmm. Eventually, sometimes that night gets a bit too much. At some point, it's like I was really overwhelmed. Can I just just Can't leave me alone for five minutes? I was the weird thing about when that event came round. Like I had ambitions for it because I knew how many people were interested in seeing the films. So I knew that we could get a lot of people along. So in my head, I was like, we need to do a big event for the premiere of this film. It, but but what it coincided with was Tim and I try to finish the BBC film, and that been quite a stressful process. And then also um, some personal. But like I, my mental health wasn't very good in February for whatever reason I just took on too much maybe uh, I was worried about the boys like I because I talked to them a lot and I know that they are up and down and so I was very I wasn't in a good place and the event was coming and it was like a train coming at me and I was like this is happening and I'm terrified this is going to not go well and a lot of people are relying on it going well uh, so to just have that support and people kept saying to me in the run up do you need any help and I was like no 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 it's cool it's cool it's cool and then like two days before I was like that Actually, yeah, I do need help. I, I'm, I've not even, I don't even know what the running order is tonight. I don't even, I've not really sorted the text back and all this. And Sharon, I, like, and Yvonne came along, Helena helped me all the press, just came along, took it right out of my hands, and it just like letting, accepting that help uh, to make it a better event. And, you know, I, everyone's saying to me that they saw me on the night of the event, I was like a pure rabbit in headlights. So people were coming up and introducing themselves, and I'm going, I don't even know who this is, I don't even know. And then later I was like, that, oh, of course, that's such and such, like, because I was just in shock at the, but I think that's been like one of the, the, the best things and it just it kind of like reaffirms your fucking belief that like humanity's actually not totally fucked and that you know people just like helping us and bending over backwards and like folk 
promoting it for nothing and people saying can I get involved and have you have you got this and would you like that and you know uh, we kind of cut it and uh, where I work and, and like you know they were really it's just like everybody just seemed to kind of like band together yeah uh, for, because for the they cause. care about well, it yeah I think I think that's it it's, I think that's um, everybody has been affected by you know probably everybody has been affected even if they don't know it because obviously Directly a lot of these things sometimes, sometimes these things are kind of swept under the carpet and it, well, they definitely were more so in the olden days when it was like you don't, you didn't know that that had happened, but now people are more aware of it. So even even people that would, maybe are the 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 toughen up laddie kind of thing at the mm-hmm. same time, they've got a moment where they go actually maybe that's not the way forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's good that people are coming together, and I think that one thing I was wanting to actually mention we were talking about earlier on is that people feel like they can't talk to anyone, and I think. The, this my theory on that is that everybody's so busy now. You don't even need to be that busy to to. My, my inbox is a nightmare, and all I'm is a promoter. Really, uh-huh. that's pretty much all I've been doing is promoting some gigs uh-huh. and playing a few myself. Uh-huh. But literally, I can't I can't deal with my inbox. That's why I was looking at when, when Loki won the Orwell Prize. He's like, my inbox is with me. I can't, <laughs> wait, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And then um, I think the people have got to realise that. Um, and this is a shout out to anyone that's listening to this that's maybe going through things that I, that I know it's like I, I try and check in I'm talking about it's important to check in and I do my best but I'm so busy that I really have time to even think about myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but if somebody does get in touch with me then of course I'm going to help mm-hmm. but it's really hard to check in I think that that is maybe a mixture of things but I think that the smartphones where even just normal people are uploading pictures of themselves and they're dealing with the notifications or the messages and mm-hmm. everyone's busy. It's really tough and I do think that I um, I sort of saw a lot of that. Like I, I started to recognise a lot of that. Like The more podcasts that I do when I'm talking about mental health or radio shows or the more that I speak about the film, the more people get in touch with me to, to tell me their experiences and I love that people open up but with that also comes a pressure of like okay I need to because you don't want to respond to a message where someone's pouring their heart out with like a alright mate like, I'll get back to you you know like that like I need to respond to this message and let them know that I care and that I appreciate their message and, and it becomes in itself like a, a job almost of like um, a full time job a full time job of, and, like, and also also um, a difficult to manage job. Difficult to manage and full time and also and maybe those those people might not even like think for a second because like I look like I've got my shit together and I look like I'm quite a strong person that I've also got yeah. mental health problems at times. So it's like you've got this thing and then you're trying to like build like be this strong person and you're hearing all these and you're like and sometimes you can kinda of be like, Oh my god, I'm about to I'm about to break in half, that's me broken. However, I would not change that for the world and I do want to say that on record, like people should not stop getting in touch with me about about their own stories and sharing and I won't stop sharing with my friends because I when I need to let like I'll, I've got people I can talk to so I've got pals that I'm like that girls I feel shite today this has happened and they'll be like that Hannah it's just this or it's just that I can speak to my family I can speak to it and it really it also enriches me being able to help other people so like I love if something reaches out to me and and is honest enough to say look this really spoke to me but like, I've lost you know I've lost my brother or this or that and I can help them with that in that moment it really feels good to me but it's also it's as you say it's, it's a difficult thing to manage and you might put that pressure on yourself when actually like you know and, and the way that I dealt with that and actually the week re- running up to the premiere anyone that has me on Facebook will know that I put up a big status about that I wasn't doing very well and that was my way of just letting people know if you come across me this week and maybe I'm not myself 
this is why. Um, and that honestly, like just me saying that and the amount of lovely messages I got, it was a big weight off to just be like, I'm actually not feeling that good at the well, moment. Well, that just really confirms like, that, yeah. um, you know, I've got a good friend who did a post the other day. Mm -hmm. And definitely not the person who's ever done that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, it was great to see... Obviously, I, I I seen it straight away since it happened. There was like four men messaging me any problems, but it was just great to see there was a big a bunch of people yeah. with advice yeah. or, or offering mm -hmm. some sort of help. And I think that people are there ready to help. You just need to kind of put it out there. People don't know. People aren't name readers. Yeah. The funny thing, and and, and, and and they are too busy to check in for sure. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But that's yeah. the thing. That's that's what like I kind of was talking about earlier on, like. That that's how, how how your own mind. It's like I, I I won't put it out because I I don't want to bother people or I don't want to hear X Y or Z from them about it or like what if they say this or what if they say that. It's like the the funny thing is like like you say your mate may be someone that you wouldn't expect to be, you know, in a bad spot in terms of their mental health and then. But then, like, well, I would expect him to be in a bad spot for his mental health, to be honest. But not, but, to, be honest but not to be someone that would be that so candid about it. Again, no, mm -hmm. not someone that would that would ask the internet for help. And that kind of makes you realise how difficult that person must be going through. Some people like look at that and and, and there's a cynicism about it. It's almost like, uh, no, I'm drinking this lovely fruit cider. Sorry. Are you sponsored by this company? Uh, no, we're not sponsored by that company. We've not got a sponsor. If anyone wants to sponsor us, <laughs> by the way. Oh, 800. Um, beef hula hoops. Uh, we've got, we've got, we're eating beef hula hoops. And Delicious. You can have this one for free. Delicious beef hula hoops and... I'm trying to just make my point. Grapes from Tesco, <laughs> but grapes are available from like from other sales, from, food, from, uh, other from the ground, shops, you know from the ground, and from the trees, trees man. Go to the trees. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we were actually we were actually talking about something really meaningful rather right? than adverts. Okay. I'm saying like there's a cynicism sometimes when when people, you know, it's that thing that it became like a running joke on the internet in the early inception of Facebook, like oh, uh, you know, they, they'll they'll put they'll post something like semi-cryptic like oh my god like you wouldn't believe it and then people underneath like oh my god babes for me private me you know yeah i but, put that in the news people... saying, well, you okay babes message me <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, okay babes message me but yeah that, that, i mean that's a different thing can we just yeah. point out that that's a totally different thing <laughs> and then um, you can't you can't just you know you, you need evidence to call someone an attention seeker you need an actual for sure, you need documents of evidence to go well, that person does this all the time and they're actually fine but at the end of the day it's you've got to I, I'd rather people be attention seeking yeah. than yeah. be sitting in a dark hole. No, so, um, as far as I'm concerned, just, 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 get, just if you've got, I've gone through a bad time, let us know. Please do because, like I said, we're too busy to check in. We want to check in more, but we've all got a million friends now. When yeah. we used to only have to deal with, you know, I think I think there was science says that we're only our brain can only handle 140 people faces in the world. That used to cover your own tribe and enemy tribes, and now we're like pff, mm -hmm. thousands of people. Mm -hmm. even, even that, and that, you include people that you meet once mm -hmm. and you add them on Facebook because you've met them once, but mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is another face to remember. And people come up to you, like, You don't remember me, do you? I, I remember you. You don't remember me, do you? See them? <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> because how dare you assume that I don't know who you are? Mm -hmm. Just give us a clue. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would that rather than try and catch me? Out, uh, like, yeah, I don't recognise your face. Like, no, no, I don't. I don't. Oh, but it's difficult. It's difficult now. And I've, I, I used to really pride myself on facial recognition and like people. Uh, but I never forget face often because I got forgotten a lot. So I'd be like showing up and people be like, oh, hi, I'm. And I'm like, I've met you three so, times. Yeah. Especially musicians, bastards. But um, I always. <laughs> 
I always like. I believe you're changing your hair as well because I think that sometimes that can happen with, 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 with females, especially because the look changes a lot. So it's like. I've had the same hair for 10 years. Are you, so are, okay, well, are you talking about an encounter you had? No, 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 no. But I'm what not I'm even saying, a musician. No, <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, but actually, the, the more the older I got and the more that we would do the club nights, and you know, like, you might have you've got nights and you might have been out, you might have been, you know you see a lot of faces and suddenly it does get a bit harder and I was like at the premiere it was very rabbits in the head like some people were coming up and going oh Hannah and I was like that where did I know you from where did I know you from yeah. but I was just overwhelmed well, you're meeting all these faces out of context as well it's funny I had they... a really funny encounter with Craig from Crown Sense yeah oh, yeah I know Craig so Came. Craig aye so basically yeah. like Craig has been enormously helpful on this film. So Craig had some amazing archive of Lumo um, and he went and dug back in all his archives and got me the full res footage and sent me it over. And I'd said to him, like, you need to come and get me at the premiere because I need to get you to sign a release form for this archive for the BBC version. And he's like, no bother, Hannah, I'll come and get you. And he came up to me at the premiere and was like, all right, Hannah. And he never introduced himself, I suppose he thought, because I was Facebook friends with him that I'd know. Yeah. And in my head, I was like that. I don't know who this is. I can tell it because I've already told them. Um, and then I had a release form in my hand and what I used as an excuse to like get away from him because I didn't know who he was and I was worried I was going to get caught out. I was like, I've got this release form. Sunny told him, like, do you want me to sign it? And I went, <laughs> no, you're all right. And then walked away. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, right, he comes up to me again. He's like, do you want me to sign that release form? And I was like, this guy really thinks this is a funny joke. And like, I was like, no, you're, you're okay. I'm, I got it signed and then the next day he was like Hannah if you want to just pop that release in a message he was like do you want to pop that release in the form of post and I was like oh my what? god Craig I was like was that you and he was like yeah and I was like I have to come clean I didn't recognise you How I didn't realise the footage we use has him in it no it doesn't that's not him is that not him no no I oh, think he's he was filming it he was probably behind the camera like what I thought it was well, like but he did Kane did that get a beard daddy to mm. the equation or taken away mm. So. But it's funny, it was like, yeah, you literally did laugh in my face when I asked you, do you want me to sign it? So it was quite funny, but that was just, again, one that of is, many. Well, that's a, good, that's a good example, though. It's like mm-hmm. you're talking to someone online and you're not, unless you're like just stalking their pictures and seeing how they're, <laughs> how they're looking these days, yeah, you don't actually know everybody mm-hmm. you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that people forget as well, if you're, if you're, so you're doing milk, so you're doing a club night, so there's going to be a couple of people who you vaguely know, or, or maybe someone does know you well, but her friends you've never met before and they're like oh that's Hannah she runs this night and they're having a great night they're like oh that's great I'll go see her later and they went hi hi you look great great night mm. bye and that's the end of that aye, conversation aye, aye. and you've got a lot on your mind yes and then it's like for, forever more they go yeah. oh I know her yeah and then yeah it does it happens a lot but it's, it's good it's amazing though and lots of people like again like I used to be really like I used to be a massive loner like I did didn't I used to be I used to be a massive loner now, I've got lots of pals and it's amazing, for me it's like it's really nice because like, uh, yeah, you just get up there and you realise like you need to choose and also you just tolerate shit people less, so like if somebody's <laughs> like, if somebody's not that nice or they're like, you're just like that, I don't actually need you in my life because I've got loads of really good people in my life, so like you just, you get to choose and it's an amazing liberating thing like and that's one thing actually that I think is really a really important message for young people is to be like, you know what, like see all this, like see if you're having a hard time, like it does get better, yeah, it really does that, get better. That, that is if you're, um, if you're a young person and you've got a lot of friends by geography, mm-hmm. so it's like, the, I, I, I moved abroad when I was very, very young mm-hmm. and like that, that, that was a very real, because I was over I was over in Cyprus, like loving life, and everybody was enjoying themselves, no fighting, nothing. Nice. 
then you come back to the scheme mm-hmm. you're from and mm-hmm. everyone's still fighting and having dramas mm-hmm. and you're like, eh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want to be involved in this. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I don't need to because there's life after. There is. Your friends and a lot of these people aren't good friends. I mean, a lot of them are. You, were, yeah. you have to be born next to someone that you're friends with for the rest of your well, life. Well, that's it. Like, things gorgeous. can seem, when you're young and, and that's your like little sort of like microcosm world, things can seem like that is it. And this is and, and that and the same goes for, for mental health problems or like, you know, or a breakup that really hurts you or, you know, addiction issues or whatever it is that in your world is crushing you. It can really feel like that's the be all and end all and whereas actually like anyone else can see that if you were to just step outside that for just a second so, so what age were you when you said you moved to London when... uh, oh I just moved to London last year Yeah. I just last year but I was very miserable in school and I was very um, unhappy yeah probably right what was, what was London like I mean I can London, I, I love London yes, to visit but I can I don't know if I could live there like, I would not I would not Maybe, maybe if uh, I'd went when I was 21, I probably would have nailed it perfect, yeah. but if it, wait, I think I'm... Well, I always was curious about moving to London, but I was, to be quite honest, was always just too scared to, and I was very, like, I was quite a homebound, like, I'm very close to my family, I was like, um, you know, and everything I kind of needed or wanted was in Scotland, like, career-wise, I actually was getting the opportunities that I needed, Um so I just never moved, but I got a bit bored eventually after living in Glasgow for 10 years and I wanted a new challenge and I moved to London, like really not knowing anyone, like I had friends scattered about, but like not knowing anyone, not knowing what I was going to do, like I went back to uni and I just thought, oh, I'll just try it and if I don't like it, I'll come back. And for me, I, I went at the right time. I was ready to go. I was 28, so I was like, I, I'm older now. I do care and I loved it. I love the anonymity of being there. I don't live in a busy part of London. I live in a bit of London in South East. It's like, you know, Peckham and that, which is quite like Glasgow. Um, I really lucked out. I've moved in with people that are really sound and I just have a time in my life there. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it, it was great for me because I moved to London because I needed a shake up because again, seem obviously emerging here, but I was unhappy. I came back to Glasgow. I was working a job. I didn't want to work. Uh, I'd had a breakup. I was like, just fucking, I was just like, bleh. And uh, I need to go do something different. And I did. And I changed it for myself. And, I, and I'm definitely happier than I've ever been. It was right for me. But I'm not saying it's right for everyone. And I know people that have moved to London and not had a good experience. It's not like it was London. For me, it was like standing up and going like, I'm going to, I'm not happy, so I'm going to It's almost like you standing up and fighting the world head on. Just right, like, London. Like, just let's <laughs> do something different and let's go yeah. in. And, and really wanting to make a film of my own as well and going to do that, despite a lot of people telling me, like, oh, no, just stay here, stay in this job, stay in that job, we'll teach you on the job. And then deeply, like, in my head being like, I think I can make a film. I think I can do it. And going to do it, and, I mean, the rest is history. Like, this, do you know what I mean? I get to sit in like amazing venues like this tonight recording a podcast with you about my film and that wouldn't happen without London that wouldn't happen without me shaking things up and saying doing something that scared me yeah doing something that scared me and I think that's an important thing it's like you've got to do stuff that scares you fortune favours the bold nothing you just don't do step out of your comfort zone yeah like if you just otherwise you can just sit where where I'm from it's like I would never have started a band and like what do you think you're, you think you're a rock and roll star? You think you're a racist? That's mm-hmm. the, that's where I came from, and, uh, yeah. and I got to the point that I'd, I went to a few funerals. Very close friends passed mm-hmm. away, and I just mm-hmm. didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you mm-hmm. know what? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I think I think I think it takes a while, man. And like, I definitely will say that, like, again, even even with myself, it's like the only example I can really use. But like, to to get that confidence or or, or to to stop listening to that voice in your head that says. 
you know, those people, whether it be from like your, your scheme or your, your, your peer group or whatever, like, you know, like, I can't do it or they'll make fun of me or like, what if I fail? It's just like, like you said, okay, like, you, you, that's quite a heavy example that, that made you think, fuck it, I don't care. But like, I think it comes with age, but I think, you know, some people just have it, like, inherently. Yeah, some people don't even need it. They, they just, they just generally. This is the thing, man, like, see, see and, and you kind of hit on it earlier, so like, see, look, you're worried that you don't know where you fit in or you don't know what you do or, or how has everyone else got it together. Nobody has it together. Like, folk are just better at giving that sort of projection. Everyone's winging it. Exactly, well, man. So you may still fucking have fun and do what you love. Like, that's the, really what yeah, it is. A lot of the people that are really good that do have that, they don't have those reservations or they don't have... They've they've either been brought up in privilege where they just have never been told no. Um, and in many ways, like, we shouldn't resent that because they have the confidence. But, you know, for us, like, growing up in Scotland or West Scotland, where it's like, you know, you, you might, you're just quite often told, like, oh, you know, you shouldn't want this or, like, oh, that's a bit much or... You know, like, or, yeah, like you say, you kind of get ridiculed by people. And what you what you learn as you're old, that you get older, that, like, a lot of the people that ridicule you, you or try to keep you in the position that you're in, they're just scared. Yeah, they're, 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 scared they're, they're very insecure people. That they, yeah. they, want, they want everyone to stay. There's a wee, wee pecking order, and they want to keep everyone. Yeah. Everyone in their and own wee town. Because right they're actually, that. they don't want you to leave. That's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. They don't want you to leave and go and do Because it'll make them turn the mirror on themselves. Yeah. And as I now empathise with those people, you know, like I used to resent yeah. it, and I used to think, like, you fucker, like you told me not to do that. And that destroyed my confidence for a few years. And now... I look at it and I go like, no, do you know what? Like, bless you because you're still doing. This also, they're, they're just copying. They're just copying. But it's learned behaviour. It's learned behaviour. Behavior. They're just parroting what people say when someone does something weird. I, you know, it's the status quo. They don't. They, they they operate within the confines of what other people have told them they should. Or yeah. They don't want it to seem like they're splitting away from the it's fact. A, it's, a very, it's a weird one, and it sounds like a pure cliche. It is a cliche, mm -hmm. but this actually happens probably up and down Scotland mm -hmm. tonight somewhere. Mm -hmm. St Paddy's night, I'm sure this is happening somewhere, mm -hmm. where a man, a young guy usually, maybe women as well, but usually a young guy does this in, in the schemes, but he'll say, I'm going to play you one of my songs. Mm -hmm. And as he plays it, everyone just slowly gets disinterested. It might not be great. Do you know what? It might not be great, because the guy's not finished yet. Mm -hmm. he's, he's trying to... He's, been, he's just been bold enough to go, this is my song, I want to play it to people, and he plays it to the people... And at the end of the song, there's no clapping. Mm -hmm. Everyone just goes, play Wonderwall. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the thing that people suck at all street, but buskers are like Wonderwall. Mm -hmm. You know, you Wonderwall, like play Wonderwall, but that is what people want, is they want Wonderwall. <laughs> or maybe Pink Floyd, wish you were here if they're, mm -hmm. if they're stoned. Mm -hmm. But usually they just don't want them hearing original music. And, and it's a shame, I know a lot of good, good musicians who yep. that's so I've never done anything see, I swear to god man one one night I was walking down Sucky Hall Street on Buchanan Street and it was almost like what I imagine like Bill Gates has under his house and like it was like two or three buskers not like everyone but they were all playing Wonderwall and it was like it was following me right down the street <laughs> Wonderwall's a great tune. It's a great tune, but I mean, it's fucking I love Wonderwall. It's a Wonderwall. Play Wonderwall. Play Wonderwall. I'll do the drums. Okay. Uh, no, I, but... I'll see, maybe. <laughs> Definitely, maybe. But, but yeah, it's a but people that, are, if you feel like you're, you know, if you feel, if you've been affected by Wonderwall issues, <laughs> but. Phone this number. Yeah, totally. I. <laughs> But it's a it's a it's a genuine it's a general thing that if you nobody you're not supposed to get above your station you're not supposed to 
expect better or have any no. type of ambition. And at also the same time, like, I love the, what I love about Scotland. It's the most and the worst thing. And I love the fact that Scotland doesn't let you get above your station, you know, if you want to be, oh, I'm better than everyone. I'm this guy. You're going to get shot down. And it's mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. But I think what we do really badly is, is we shoot people before they've even learned to even fly yeah. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I've wrote my first ever song. Yep. You're shite. You'll yep. never be anything. It's like, yep. fucking hell. He's not even being boastful here. Mm-hmm. But I do but you get that across, like, that's not just a peers thing. Like, you get that in the, the industry and the professional. You get that from people that are really high up a lot. They, they, they'll kind of try and keep you at level or they'll say things or not, they'll just not take you seriously or they'll just not really listen to you. And I've had that with a lot of production companies. But, you know, see, just by keeping on going and having in your head, like, OK, I know I can do this. So I'm just going to keep doing it. It is so, so worth the effort because actually it takes literally, like, what's felt like seconds for people to flip from telling me all of the reasons I can't do this to people being like that, you know, I'm really interested in this film that you're making and all suddenly all those voices are quiet, all those voices that were like, don't go, don't, don't go back to school or don't, um, you know, like, you're a documentary director, like, just like, you're a producer, like, that's really So how did, you, how did you both get into film, film stuff? Tim's always been the film buff of the family, like, Tim's, like, loved film, went and did film at uni, I did history. I did a theoretical course, like, at Glasgow Uni, and, like, she is the one that can write and do essays all through school, man, like, she was really good, like, I just, I just kind of... prodigy. I mean, she was all right. But, like, <laughs> like, you know, I just, like, scraped grades, like, I was one of them people that said, like, oh, if he only applied himself, he would probably be quite good, but he's a lazy fuck, so yeah. he gets quite... I was B's and C's. And I like really put work in to try and like get it. But I I did a theoretical course at Glasgow Union that like, I shouldn't be writing essays, but like <laughs> by the luck of the gods, like there's a you, your names get picked out for a practical thing and then it kinda of, the penny dropped. Um you know, I should have went and done that a practical course because that like with editing it was technical and I could kinda of do it. But um I don't I know, I don't know that, that that's it. And then basically I worked in a call centre, I worked for Sky Customer Services and it was the worst job I've ever had. It was horrible. I've um, done the call centers, mate. I've done mm-hmm. it. Oh, man, like, Sky was Sky was something else, but, like, it's a sort of love-hate thing. Like, I think in my life, I was my worst. Like, I was, I hated, you know, I thought as soon as I got... Do you think that inspired you with the fact that you, you knew you didn't want to keep doing that? Of course it did, yeah. man. It really, I, I, I needed to kick up the arse properly. And, and around that time, again, usual shit of just break up and getting mad with it all the time and... and you know, like smoking cigarettes, like, like first thing when I woke up, and like you know, I was always you know. You do know, know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I've quit smoking for eight days. Yeah. Eight days, and do you know what? I've just started. And of course, St. Paddy's Day is I'm obviously having a Guinness with you guys. Uh-huh. But um, yeah. the reason, the way I'm getting away with it is I'm just pretending that I'm in an aeroplane. And it's just a bit weird. But it's the only time because I, I have I have not smoked before, but I always had a vape or a gum before. Mm-hmm. So we're drinking. So my idea was is that if I went to Korea twice, well, well once, but it was two flights, one to Korea, one on the way back. That's how you usually go to Korea, a return flight. And I, I <laughs> don't know if you know about that, but so if you want to go there, you need to come back as well. Wow. Yeah. So it was like 12 hour flights, and it was a free bar. Well, it should be a free bar because how much the charge the the tickets so I just I didn't I didn't smoke then because I was scared they would, they would think I was a terrorist and not be mm. out of the flight so I just why can I do 12 hours so I'm now, I'm now this is the first time I've ever 
Um, that's the last couple of days. I've just been, I've been drinking. No, this was about a year and a half ago. I'm just I'm using it. I'm using it. I'm teaching my brain. Like, see, when I was at CCA on Friday, that was the first time I'd actually drank without any nicotine. Good for you. Probably in years. But and I was, CCA felt like a, I felt like we were in the aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh no, I can't smoke here. Because mm-hmm. you can't actually smoke in the theatre. Mm-hmm. Fair play. But I like, see, just going up, I'm just trying to, try and drag that. Mm-hmm. So what I'm drinking. Good. Aye, nice one. But that's like, that's it's really mental. nice to have you there at the CC, I have to say. It yeah, was really man, so nice to coming. have people in the audience that like know. And that's what I was putting, I messaged after. I was like, what did you think of the film? Because I was paranoid. Yeah, you yeah. never no, liked it. I could just stormed off. No, no, no. no, no I I was, the, I sound, like, the sound wasn't very good. No, that, no it, 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 was, it was nothing like that. It was like, when I came out, you were, you were obviously busy talking to people. Because everyone's like, well done. Because like, you were nice. doing that. And I was like, I need a fag. I need to get out of here and I'm starving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I was waiting a bit for a while and I was like, I'm I out. never saw you. But like, I, but I do, I really get this thing of like, if people don't, some people are like, send me the film and I've stopped sending it out because what used to happen was I'd be like, I'll send you the link and then there's like that scene on Facebook and then just nothing. And I'd be like, did you watch it and hate it? Did you not watch it? And I get really, really bogged down with that. But I feel like now we're finally entering the thing of like, enough people have watched it and liked it that actually, mm. do you know, we the, feel the, the, only people, the only people that matter is them. The family, the family. Oh, that that's the only thing about And you know, it's really hard for me to take myself out of that bubble because obviously, because I'm, yeah, I knew yeah, the person. Yeah. yeah. But I think but the second time, watch like, is a good thing if you know the person. It's good to watch at a second time, and I think. The well, wait for the BBC one, man. Like, it's just the such, yeah, yeah, definitely, man. But it's just it's a better it's a better film, and it just I think we represent him a lot more faithfully and. You know, We've got like, new it, home videos as well. So when, when, when what's the date of that? Because I think this is about before. It it's going to be in May. We don't have the exact date in May for iPlayer, but if people follow, we are all here on Facebook. Then I'll obviously be putting it on there. It's, it's actually we've got a new title, so it's called Lumo Too Young to Die. Too Young to Die is a lyric from Testament with one of Lumo's yeah. tracks, and we felt we needed something that would explain more what it was about because obviously you're com- on TV. You're competing with a lot of other programs, and you kind of as harsh as it is, you need to catch people's attention. And I had some moral issues with like because I always way way back when I thought of this film I thought of calling it that because I knew it was one of his yeah. lyrics and I thought no that's too it's like clickbait no I just felt it was too much and it was too straight down your throat about what it's about but then on the flip side the more people that see this and just hear the message and tell their friends and then the friends hear the message what are we try to do with this film we're trying to raise awareness so give it its best chance to get seen yeah, so it's absolutely. like, I, and I spoke to the family about it. I also, I love, I love the name We Are All Here, but I totally get the difference because well, I mean, you're, you're dealing with TV. What that's about. Exactly. If, if people are scrolling through TV, I've not watched TV for years, Aye. but I imagine that you scroll down and you look for the thing that looks the best. I don't know. Is that how, that's how it works. So, oh, yeah. We Are All Here doesn't really mean anything. But, but, but I like that name. How did that name come out? Because I really like that. Uh, actually, so Callum wrote a poem for Sini Scotland, and the last line of the poem is um, Trust Me we are all here and I actually think it's we are here or we are always here sorry so it's um so you know like it's okay trust me because we are always here and I was like I love that line and I, I tried every which way to get that poem that he wrote for see me into this film mm-hmm. um and into the new film and we could never find a way to make it fit in the edit that felt good like we, we put how many times we put it in about 20 times we're like oh, right it'll be there and then we'd minute. watch it back then we'd be like that's not working there it's not working it takes yeah. you out of the film so we have to, and that's the, the thing about film, there's there's beautiful content that Lumo has written and performed oh, that hasn't made it into the film because it just didn't work in that context. Well, I think it's up to someone 
to make a make a little a, a different thing, an audio experience of well, the Well, what's really nice is that anyone that looks them up will go and they will find this rich archive of him that's not in the film. So it's like almost like watching, you know, something about Nelson Mandela and then uh, going and looking up Nelson Mandela and finding all these other interviews that you love with him. It's like this, the, we've we've put in the film what works with with this narrative and this story in this half hour. But if anyone's interested in his music, they can go look it up and find this like treasure trove of music and and spoken word piece that is beautiful and like see the see me poem is a beautiful piece that he was writing to help other people and i thought that was really profound it was one of the things that initially intrigued me about the story Uh, so we're all here's a line from that and then we called the event that and then we called max track that and it's just become we're all here's become a community of people in scotland who young people especially who are trying to help each other with their mental health and that's been the amazing thing about it it's like Mm. it started a bit of a movement yeah, and I think that's the thing about the film that I thought, like you know, from Hannah getting like all, all this stuff organised, it's like in terms of mental health, that there's really nothing that speaks to like younger people, and I think that's another. Yeah, I think, I, think thing. Was, I think you said that before. It was like it's it's all a bit stuffy. Aye, it doesn't really appeal. It's like it's just it's just cliches. And, Aye, so, it's just not it's it's not real, man. And like it's I, not speaking to people. And I think I think that's. The beautiful, not the beautiful thing about the film, but the beautiful thing about Lumo and like his story, it's like you know, you you can come in from different angles if you like hip hop or music or you know, you know whatever. Mental health. Mental health. It has like so. Well, much watch, watch that thing in Friday because obviously the crowd, none of them would probably, apart from maybe your friends, mm-hmm. they were in the crowd. It was it was a this was a Glasgow short film festival, so most people hadn't, and I could tell myself we listening and laughing and. Yeah, yeah. At the right bits because obviously they didn't know that I could tell they didn't know what was coming and stuff. Uh-huh. And, and that's, that's, there's yeah. a power of that film and the message way beyond yeah. Lumo. And if you knew him, like there's something there that's universal. And it's just like Innocent Lost in a way as well. It's like you know you have to remember he was 21 when he passed away. Yeah. It's like I had achieved next to nothing. Like, sweet fuck all when mm-hmm. I was 21, yeah. and I thought I knew everything. And you look back and it's like I knew nothing. But you can chart his progression from being like sixteen to twenty-one in terms of yeah, the a music lot. and the lyrics and, and everything. Such a back catalogue of music mm-hmm. and and achievements and it's it's, it's quite. That's why I was saying earlier on it was short by it because it just seemed like he was the last guy. You know, like when I remember like having a paint with him and stuff, and like just me, him, and like a couple other people, and we're just it, the way he was talking about stuff. He was just always quite um, aye, uh, like you know. Somebody, you know, like I said, it's these misconceptions make that people that have got plans ahead, there's a yes. thing to do it. But, but you know that way, you, you don't worry about people like that because you're like, oh, they're, they're, they're doing, doing well. Subs always says if he'd lived to thirty, they'd been a millionaire, like because he just, he just was, he was, he had so many ideas and he was just yeah. bigger than the sum of his parts, really. Um, and that's that's the tragedy. Is like, and then, but and quite often though, people that take their lives are are, are perfectionists. Is or, there a, this is probably a, bit of a difficult question, but is there is there an element of you've got to be careful not to uh, make uh, the star the you know, too much of a martyr or too much of like, yes. the, 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 the hero the, of the thing. Guidelines, you, you, you can't. There's very specific things about how you present that. Yeah, and you have to be very careful. I would say almost to a slightly pedantic degree oh. that like sometimes like really beautiful moments on on film somehow can't be shown because it doesn't follow these stipulations it's, it's kind of stupid in a way but but i, I do understand the main, well, I, don't, I, don't, the I, main I need to look there. at i need to look at the small print myself to decide if i agreed with it but 
is an interpretation of that yes. small print and yeah. what in some people's interpretation is is more literal than others but but there is you've raised a really really important point that um you know Glad are, the, the, <laughs> no it's so important it's come up a lot it's come up it's been intrinsic in the entire filmmaking process because you have essentially you have people that are, this guy was so loved and you know like everyone says that like any any obituary that you read you know will praise that person for their bit everyone across the board like I didn't talk to each person in my film before I interviewed them and I, I interviewed more rappers than even made it into the film so we interviewed Kid Robotic we interviewed Weedy unfortunately I had to cut people out because yeah. there, was too mu- there was too much great stuff and they totally understood they were like as long as this film is going to get that yeah. message we don't mind but everyone I spoke to said the same things about Callum in terms of his generosity, his kindness, his complete like unwillingness to cut anybody out. And his and his talent, his intelligence. So you had all this stuff that was like, you know, you you always had the sense that this was like a really, really important presence. And then in death, he's obviously taken on ironic because his music was so often about being this like kind of godlike figure. So in death, he's taken on this kind of like presence. Um, and you do have to be careful when you're reporting on suicide because it's like n- nobody is trying to say that this is the this is the goal is to almost like in death. Yeah, but you're obviously recognized. people 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 that have got mental health issues are, are obviously going to be might attracted see that, to it. Might see that and so sing, in the same way that Kurt Cobain or anybody then, that's died. And also, know? anyone that, that does have um, suicidal thoughts is usually on a on a path where their, their brain's not working properly at this. Point him. Yeah. Not, not as helpfully as it could yes. is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. So so they might be skewed. But the, the thing that um, I think that we do in the film to combat that worry is show the devastation that's mm. left behind. And that is, and as Loki said in his very beautiful review of the film, that's present. That was a great review. It was oh, lovely. Well, we were absolutely buzzing with that. But like, like every, it's, in every frame of that film is the hollowness in the eyes of his friends, the silence the, the inability at points to even articulate or speak, like having to drop your head because you can't even find the words to describe the pain. And that's still going on. So I filmed for the, I refilmed with uh, Callum's sister and mum and I refilmed with subs, um, just getting wee pickup shots and I spoke to them again. And it takes, it literally takes 10 seconds before you're into that chat of like, subs just like staring into the distance being like I still can't cope with this Mm -hmm. I still don't know why he's done this and Jen you know we're looking at photos and one minute we're reminiscing and we're laughing about him and the next minute Jen needs to leave because she's seen too much and her brother's not here anymore so not to get too um, you know dark or intense but quite honestly um, you know no matter how much he's revered and how much Everybody just wishes that you could see the the wave that he's he's created here. Um, like really, nobody wants this. Like yeah. they just want him it's back. Not like a, it's not they like just a want substitute. him back. It's not. It's not really. Um, you know, yeah. you have to consider like just like your brother, your friend, your your pal, and how the very fact that you can't phone him up anymore. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've and the bizarreness of I've, that. I've, I've been in like so yeah. many. Uh, so I'm not going to go into all that stuff, but but just to say that I've I've been there when yeah. things like this have happened before, and you just you what I would like to tell these people that have went that way is that the only people that seem that everyone that, that loved you is absolutely distraught forever. Mm-hmm. 
And the only people that got any enjoyment of it is probably a couple of arseholes that didn't like you. And you didn't yeah. like them. It's just or like, it's just like, it's just like, there's not, there's not, um, it's, so it's just like, it's just such a, it's such a horrible. There's a phrase that's like, suicide doesn't take away the pain, it just passes it on to other people. And I think. Well, but also, I want to point out that I'm like totally against the phrase that it's a coward's way out because no. it it's nothing to do with no, cowardly. No, no. It's a lot of, this is why it's really important to talk about these things, to try and find out. Where is where is the truth and where does it lie? What I'm saying is that it's it's people that do that they they take out a lot of their, their friends and family with them. Yeah. P- potentially forever. And they don't mean to. And they, like they Callum don't. was so so close to his mum, and we talk a lot about that in the talk. And he texted her every day saying I love you, and you know he spoke to her that night, and he, she was the last person that he texted. And um, and I know for a fact how much like he loved and respected and wanted to protect his mum. He could never, in his state of illness, he truly believed that everyone would be yeah. better off without him. Um, and that is illness, that is illness. So, like, um, you know, anyone that listens to, to this sort of thing or sees that and thinks, yeah, yeah, no, I'd be yeah, better that, off. Well, we can yeah, prove that's illness nice. because we can prove mm-hmm. that everything you spoke to is saying that's wrong. Yeah. So it's not even up for debate. No, it is better. No, it's not everybody... Everybody, no, no, no. That's everybody's a everybody's absolutely gutted that, that this boy should have done anything. Yeah, anything for him to have not done that. And she says as much. And as um, she, anyone know. that's listening, in, if you think that oh, I no one will care, they will, they will. There's probably people that you you, you don't even recognise will care because you're probably suffering you're so some ill thoughts. Some you're a wee bit out of the way. You're so in it, and, and it's should, so so difficult when you are in that place because. It's really, really hard to take things in. It's really even hard to listen to like the words that we're saying now, or to listen to the words of you know the awareness message. Because when you're in that place, you're not, you're not taking that stuff in, and you're not thinking rationally. But just consider for a second that maybe you aren't thinking rationally. Like maybe this would just wait, like wait a day, even wait a day or two. Yeah. To see how you feel. Then. It's like it's not even like that. I think you know, like people have said that in the past. Like you know, it's a coward's way out or. It's a very selfish, well, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not a brave way out or a cause way. No. I'm not saying it's a brave way. No, out. no, no. I, I'm it's not. So that other people have put these words in. Yeah, that's, that's and it's, like, it's not cowardly or brave. It's neither of those words. Let's ditch both those words. Because if you say it's not cowardly, oh, that means they're brave. No, no, I'm not saying that either. But that's just a, that's two just things. A, a misunderstanding. Like, 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 not that I was like close to, to that point at all. You know, so I, I went like quite deep, but I, I don't think I have too good a support now. I, I, I just. Couldn't have done it, but like my thoughts were starting to kind of go into like quite a dark space. Do you know what I mean? But I think that's the thing. It's like it's so final, but it's just that escapism. It's like fuck what I'm dealing with. I can't deal with this. I can't go through any more of this, and that's why it's a release. So yeah. it's like for people, I think they feel very fatigued with constantly feeling down, or they manage to get through that, and then they have to, you know, then then they have to realise that actually, okay, like. I thought I was through that, and oh my god, here it's back again. I feel like this, and it's like a fatigue with it, but um, it isn't forever. And actually, like you know, there's plenty of people that survive, and it is survival. It's, it's real. If you fucking survive means wellness, you are strong, 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 strong. Like it's, it's really hard to keep going. Um, but that realization that actually, like you know, getting through it and getting back to the times where your head's in a better place and then just enjoying life, it's so worth it. It's it's little things like, have you went for a have you went for a shower today? Mm-hmm. Have you went for a walk today? Have you had a good sleep? 
have you, do you have a hangover? Do you have a come down? You know, there's just a lot. Well, I should have a good list of things like that, that. And it's so incredibly powerful. Like the mind is the most powerful thing that exists in your body. So if it's telling you that you feel shy and that this isn't going to get better, like you really can believe it. And it takes a fuck of a lot to get yourself out of that. Um, and it's tough. Like, it's really tough. Because I, I have genuinely, you know, I've been there. I've been, like, walking to work and thinking, like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to come home from work. I don't want this week to be. I just don't want to be here. But 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 now I recognise that when I'm well, I recognise that it's like, oh, thank fuck, like, that I, I didn't yeah. harm myself or come to harm. And it's just about recognising that, like, you have to consider, like, if you feel, if you're thinking these thoughts, gent, like to be very, very blunt about it, if you think in any capacity, it'd be better if I wasn't here or I would feel better if I did this, you you need to know unequivocally that that thought is illness and yeah. that that thought is never a good idea. You should, you should speak to a close friend, a family member or professional help Doctor. if you don't have anyone that you feel comfortable enough mm. to, to speak to that. And it is, um, I mean, thank you so much for talking about such a difficult, such a difficult thing. We don't talk about it. It's hard for me, even though I would like to talk about it more. I would, it's just, it's a difficult thing mm -hmm. to discuss. And I think what, hopefully, watch the film when it comes out in May. And if anybody wants to text in or tweet in any questions, we can get you back on yeah. to, to explain how how, the, how how you felt the film went, but I think that we, we, what we'd like to do is just sort of round it up with how you became a filmmaker in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, is there any TV shows, films, or anything like that that inspired you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like I've I've always loved documentaries, and there's some I'm terrible with names and stuff, but I'll see things like from time to time. It's a filmmaker called Morgan Matthews. My brother Pure stuck in the toilet over there. Uh, Morgan Matthews has directed amazing uh, content. My tutor at Goldsmith, Daisy Asquith, has made amazing films. Um, I love like watching Netflix documentaries. Some are terrible, some are amazing. I love watching all the Storyville stuff. So just, to me, documentary is this thing. It's, one, it's stranger than fiction. It's, um, you know, st human life is so... Like, to be honest, I grew up reading my grand's women's magazines, like, chat and take a break. <laughs> like, I was obsessed, wasn't I? My grand lives in Motherwell... She'd get all the chat, take a break. That's life, and I would pour over it about like, oh, my husband you stabbed used to write my into son. Those things. I used that's how I used to make a living when I was a wee girl. I used to write into the magazines, pretend I was a forty-year-old woman, <laughs> and be like, that my son bought a car with my. <laughs> and I used to get paid twenty-five pound. That's how. I tell you, man, it's even, it's even so you taping this up? No, I wrote it. You're, you're writing. My, my she would do like the. I she would do. She would what? Oh, I tell you top what else. tips, top tips. Top tips for life. Uh, and she was like put, fucking put, 10 year old. Put 10 <laughs> elastic bands together. It makes a great toy for your cat. £25 to Hannah. No way, that is hustling. Hannah, Hannah, I tell you, she, she is. Like, she's a real hustler, man. Like, I, remember, <laughs> I remember when we just moved to Bigger, which, I, what age was that? I was like 13 or 14, maybe 15. So you would have been like 12, maybe. And she got like uh, a packet of, like, you know, flying saucers. I you know, this, this story. 
But I just I couldn't I, believe it. I, 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 hear it. I don't I don't know where she gets it from or how she knows how to do this stuff. But she's always this is why she's so good as like a producer, like as an organizer. She just she can get shit done and she can make people do what she wants, which ultimately that's what you need to to do. But she she got a pack of flying saucers. I don't think there was even anything fucking wrong with them. No, they were normal. They were normal, <laughs> and she basically wrote like Bassett's a letter saying, uh, "I'm very sorry to tell you this, but I think you know something's happened because there was no sherbet inside those flying saucers." <laughs> um, and they sent her like five. Boxes, yeah, of yeah. like fucking like the massive like, boxes that you'd, you'd see in the van, you know, you know what I mean? Well, we're actually we've been recording the, the for this podcast, and we've been using we've been working, I don't know what we're going to use, but there is some evidence of me doing similar things, yes. Uh, where it's like, it <laughs> theft, <would> be, basically. <laughs> well, no, phoning, phoning old El Paso. Phone old El Paso and saying that they're jalapenos when they spicy enough. <laughs> or um, or phoning or phoning Blue Riband and saying we really enjoyed Blue Riband. Can we get some more of them yeah, for yeah, free? Yeah, yeah. And they sent us a caramac in the post. See, there you go. Yeah, so it's a it's a thing. It's a risk. Like sometimes you don't get much. Yeah. Sometimes you get a pound voucher. Sometimes you get a big box full. But but your question was how did I get into documentary? And I've diverged slightly. But I've always loved story, real life stories. Been completely obsessed with people. Like I've I used to always like. When I sit in the bus, people seem to like to talk to me, like usually people that have a mental health problem, which I'm obviously more empathetic to now, but it's normally like somebody sitting next to me and they want to talk to me and I'm like, oh Jesus, why? Oh, why do they always want to talk? But I'm fascinated. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's why it's happening though, because you're fascinated. You're looking at them like, what you What's your doing? story and then they tell me and I'm going, like, oh, I should have asked, I should have asked. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by people and their stories and I've always, used to be a journalist um, and got into that, but I, I obviously got into TV, I've started to learn the camera, so, and I just think the documentary is the most powerful thing in the world. I really do feel it's a form of therapy. You, you, I'm going to, sorry, I'm always interrupting you, is because you're actually 10 minutes over your curfew that you told me that you need to go. I know, over. I need to leave. <laughs> so, uh, just, to, just to sort of wrap it up, where are you going tonight? You're away at an awards ceremony? Yeah, are you so uh, we are. So no. our film has just screened at Glasgow Short Film Festival in what's called the Scottish Shorts Competition. So there are three Scottish competitions and our film played as part of that. I think we were Is one that the one I voted for on yeah. Friday? Yeah, 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 did you give yeah. it a good score? I gave it, I gave it the best score I could give it. Well, there you give go. Give it a five. It's a Caramac on its way to end the post. There's a Caramac on its way to end the post. No, I wasn't that harsh. No, I mean, the, 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 the calibre of, of film. I mean, like, I think... That was, I was so surprised. I only came to watch your film. Aye. Right. Yeah, you got, got I got, I got five good. other um, short yeah. films. So I really enjoyed that. The production values on them were, were incredible. And, like, and I think... Especially for those reasons, the blue eyes out the water. that guy. can't remember what it was called. The first one. I like that. that. That reminded me of people I know. Yeah. Jumping about. So oh, I love that one. Yeah, that was so brilliant. important for those voices to be heard in film. I'd like to like watch that again. I would love to see that. I really want to talk to that guy. Uh, to surmise really quickly. I actually like, seen him in the, the genderless toilet. Uh-huh. Did you really? But I didn't. I didn't see him because it was already weird enough that there was people confused. That it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was basically the toilet scene said, "Yeah." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it was. It was just like what you think. You know, he's like a wee kind of you know, he's rocking about the scheme kind of, and he's aggressive and he's kind of like really irritable. And then... You think he's the worst guy ever? Aye. And, and it just looks like, oh, you know, he, he's just like a wee Ned, but then like there's quite a bit of pathos at the end. And it, it, just a really beautiful yeah. uh, uh, film. And I love well what they done. did with the lights. All of them were so, very well done. Yeah, yeah no, we so are. We're not, not going to win, but there's free wine. No, I will. Well, yeah, well, exactly. Would well, you want to come? No, no, <laughs> I, 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 I can't. I've got, to, I've got to do my podcast. Good for you. That I'm was, you, you just got there in yeah, the end. I, I excuse him. Yeah, no, I'm no do you know, um, we're very privileged to be 
in this competition. It would be amazing to win it because I want to buy a camera. However, do you, do you know? I think you've maybe what is that? Is that the, the winner prize gets a camera? Yeah, I get some money. You get how much? Money? How much am I expected to see? Is the, uh, yeah, well, the thing is, like, do you know what I think? You, you, it was against you, or or is it for yeah. you? Because you were at the very end, mm-hmm. and not only that, but you were the, the longest film. By a mm-hmm. good way. Surely you would be like the, the, the longest film would be earlier. Don't know, but I think that I think people. I think it's because I've, we've got ridiculously long, long credits, and they can't put those credits before MDS. We play the whole of Amag song at the yeah. end, which, yeah. which when we're which what, we went to Eindhoven to the Dogfest and like two screenings. And literally everyone wanted to kind of clap and they didn't know what to do with themselves and was like, listen to that. You only clap three times. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I recorded it, by the way, I've recorded it. We're going to start and end this podcast with the clapping. Oh. Because I've got the clapping for Did you really? Did yeah. you? This thing I had to set up, I had to record it. Oh, that's oh, cool, that's man. I was just bootlegging your, your, your film as well. That's you know, so, so cool. That's, that's quite all right for, so for these purposes. That's allowed. That's how we'll start it with a round of applause, then it's all arty. We start with nice. the round of applause and then we end it with the round of applause, perhaps. I love it. So, I love um, it. But That's yeah, cool. no, it's, it's such a such a great song for Emac as well. By the way, with the, one sure. final point is um, Emac's tune was just great. He's he's obviously a very talented rapper. He is indeed. He's got a good ear for a beat, and it was just like, how do you take your? Because I've been through that myself. It was like, how do, how would you dedicate a song to your friend that's no longer here? It's really hard to get that, but you just. Kind of wrote this beat and it. Mm-hmm. it well, it's actually, it was just a poem that he read at, at Calm's funeral, and then I said to him, I really need some music for the end of this. And and then we got Ryan on board, and Ryan sent us a beat, like I think in a day. The and the two of us were like, yeah. fuck, that's amazing. And then Big Shamu sang on it. Is and that Shamu singing the that, Ooh, Yeah. I thought I'd misread that because obviously I know, I know Shamu is a t- very talented man, but I just thought that sounds like a bluesy yeah, yeah, yeah. sample. It sounds like, it sounds like yeah. a 1920s yeah, Simone sample or something, but now, yeah. man, that is him. And like, and, and like you said, Emac absolutely smashed it. Yeah, yeah. I, it, just, it just flows so nicely. Uh, not forced and well, well done hey, Mike. Uh, well done to you guys we're going to wrap up because I know you've got this award ceremony Aye. so thank you so much for doing the thank podcast you thank you for having us mate thank and you very much we'll, be, we'll probably add a wee bit at the end but when it is May, mm-hmm. May mm-hmm. whatever Aye, I'll have a day we'll for you next week actually cool so. nice one guys thank you very thank much you. good thank luck you, tonight I hope he's won yeah Yay.